in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. Welcome back to another episode of the Sports Hour. This is Mitch Moe. And this is Dallin. Wow, the energy is up. We are here. Episode 172 of the Ah! Sports Hour. You good? Yeah, got more. Want to keep going on the intro? No, I need to let a little out. We're good. I felt like you had the energy to keep going. I love it. I got tons of energy right now. We got a lot of energy. It'll be a fun podcast tonight. Uh, If you are uh, joining us live on YouTube and Twitter, uh, then you already know that we are joined in this episode by a guest. You see him on our screen. You're like, who's that third floating head there? Uh, It's our good friend, fellow Sports Hour guy, Jordan Fox. Jordan. Welcome uh, to your first time on the uh, on the stream on the podcast. You've been on the podcast before, first time on the video. Uh, how you feeling? Wel- welcome in. What's going on, boys? Mitch, top-tier energy. Love it, dude. You got me psyched. And uh, yeah, hey, it's fun to be live with you guys. I haven't done this yet. I think for the listeners, too, we can finally put a face to the voice that has been on here so many times. We <laughs> yeah, can finally for better or worse. Nah, it's a great, it's a great face. You got a great face. <laughs> hey, you're, you're looking face at face guy. Us. What I mean, can I say? You're face guy. Like, <laughs> you know, your voice is trash, it. but the face, it works. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're very glad to have Jordan on today. Uh, if you're listening to this on the po- on your podcast feed, uh, thanks for joining us. We're recording this on uh, Thursday, August 10th. It's not a Wednesday. And let me tell you guys, I sat there at work today, just kept forgetting about this podcast tonight. Cause I was like, it's Thursday, just out of sight, out of mind. And then every like couple hours I'd be like, we're doing a podcast on a Thursday night uh, tonight. And so uh, we're glad to be here. If you're listening to the podcast, maybe an invitation to come join us live. uh, See uh, what we have going on on the screen, be a part of the more interactive parts of the podcast. That's always fun. And that's a part of what we're doing tonight with our fantasy football preview. So Jordan's joined us for some fantasy football fun. So uh, on top of a 10-round mock draft that we'll wrap up the podcast with uh, tonight, we're also going to be doing uh, some of our favorite sleepers at every fantasy position. So a little fantasy football preview mixed in with uh, some news and other stuff, you know, the the things we do here on this podcast. So uh, it'll be it'll be fun, Mitch. Are you excited? I'm I'm very uh, excited. Looking forward to this fantasy football preview because it does feel like fantasy football season is is pretty much like here. You know, you know what it it got here in July, like July for me. That's when you start like really digging deep in and you start cramming all this knowledge and listening to all the different podcasts and and trying to cram as much knowledge as you can into my tiny little brain and um. <laughs> You know, football is among us. We are under a month away from full-blown football. Long month, right? 31 days, I think we're at right now. So the long month, the longest of the months. But um, 
it's here. We're ready to talk about it. And you know what? It's a good way to kick off kind of our swing into the NFL, which will be full blown into all the way through uh, February. So this is a good way to kind of kick off the conversation and get some, get some juices flowing, if you will, as far as um, what the NFL conversation, what the landscape of the league is going to look like going into the 2023, 2024 season. Yeah, we'll be here weekly uh, from here to the start of the season and obviously throughout the NFL season. Uh, so back uh, to the normal schedule with previews every single week. This week, fantasy football. Next week, we'll be doing our college football preview and then all NFL uh, the few weeks leading up until kickoff. So it will be a lot of fun. Uh, I do. Before we jump into this, we're going to get into some news. We've got a pit of misery. We've got a few things before we get into fantasy football. But I do want to ask you, Jordan. Uh, Mitch mentioned July is usually when he starts getting interested in fantasy football. For you, is it this time of year? Or are you like grinding it out in May? Like where, where do you sit on the spectrum as far as when <laughs> fantasy football season really starts for you? Yeah, it's the summertime. Uh, you get into the summer, it's hot. You can't go outside where we live, otherwise you'll melt into the pavement. And so it's like, what else is there to do except for start nerding out and doing mock drafts and listening to podcasts and then trash talking your buddies? So yeah, it's I'm I'm kind of on the same schedule Mo is. It's right about late summer that I start really winding things up again. Yeah, I love that. Listen, we're maniacs here, so that totally makes sense. For you out there maybe listening, you're a little more normal. Uh, you saw preseason football started. You're like, hey, maybe I should pay <laughs> attention now to like what's going on in the, in the NFL. So that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for today, to give you an insight, give you some sleepers, give you an idea of what you could do in your mock drafts, and uh, very much looking forward to this. But let's start this off, guys, with uh, a bit of news. And our one bit of news today around college football conference realignment and this is a domino that has been uh that we've seen for years now uh the ripple effects and uh, the latest and the most significant of all of this comes uh in the last week or so with the news around the pac-12 conference and uh it's basically it's demise uh, we don't know what the future holds yet uh but we talked on our last podcast two weeks ago. We teased at the reports that Colorado was potentially heading to the Big 12. And sure enough, like the next day, that news became official uh, after we were uh, doing the podcast. So that happened very quickly. But in this two-week span, Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State have all also left for the Big 12 Conference, joining Colorado, forming that those corner schools that uh, were always rumored to be a target of the Big 12. And on top of that, we have Oregon and Washington, the two biggest remaining brands of the Pac-12, uh, leaving to join USC and UCLA in the Big Ten. So uh, there are four teams remaining in the Pac-12. It's Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, Washington State, the leftovers, if you will. And the Pac-12, as we know it, is dead. Uh, there's a lot to be sort of... Uh, talked about here and we can get into some of the other conferences but i want to just get your guys maybe raw reaction to the demise of the pac-12 what it means are you how does it make you feel uh as a fan do you you know do you care that much are you excited about it where do you sort of stand on that i'll start with you mitch um you know it, it is sad to see a, like a, a power five conference just completely implode and collapse um you never want to see that you hate to see it but um, at the same time, like this is a completely different college football than it was in the, in the two thousands, right. Kind of in that heyday that we know of, um, where, where money is King, right. TV deals, NIL deals. This is, this is the new era of college football. And so, um, 
for these moves to be made, it's not shocking. And of all the conferences, the Pac-12 was probably the least willing to make any of these kind of deals without any sort of big money coming their way. Uh, I think they had a deal lined up with Apple TV, and they, mm-hmm. but it was subscriber based for the yeah. for the most of. Uh, do yeah. you have the details on yeah, that? Yeah, it was but... about it was about twenty one million dollars per school, which is about ten million dollars in a media deal less than what the Big Twelve got with ESPN and Fox just a few years ago at thirty one and a half. So significantly lower than your competition because obviously the SEC, the Big Ten, they're up here, so you're competing, you know, with what's left. So ten ten million lower than that, and it, there was a lot of it was incentive based. It was, I mean, a lot of it was described as it feels like we're Girl Scouts or it feels like we're selling candy bars for Little League, like we have to fund our own success and and that's obviously a model that is not uh gonna be it's not sustainable it's not sustainable in college sports and and especially with the big money that comes with college sports now um i think as far as the future of the pac-12 goes um there's one of two options i think that there is a complete and utter collapse and we're talking about power four conferences and we're looking at the Big 12, the Big 10, the ACC, and the SEC as the premier conferences in the nation. Cal, um, I think that maybe Oregon State and Wazoo find some homes, but I think Cal and Stanford go independent. Um, I think that's a possibility. The other possibility is that there is a some sort of merger with the Mountain West. So they bring in San Diego State, Fresno State, um, they bring in these Mountain West teams and they kind of form the the new Pac-12, um, which at this point, at that point, still doesn't seem like a power conference, right? Because yeah. it, it, it kind of has the feel of a group of five conference. So, you know, it, it the Pac-12 will never be the same ever again. And I think that we need to accept the fact that there's going to be just four power conferences and whatever happens with the Pac-12 will never have the Pac-12 feel again. It's going to be a group of five conference, at least in our lifetime. But yeah, Jordan, uh, do you have any thoughts on, on this news? And I don't know how much you follow college football or care about college football, but obviously this has been big sports news in general. Yeah, I, I admittedly don't. I haven't been a college football guy in my lifetime uh, thus far. And I feel like I should have a stronger opinion on this, given my alma mater in Arizona is involved. But uh, yeah, one of the reasons, guys, I was never a college football guy is I could never grasp the conference system to begin with. Like, it was just really hard to keep track of. And with all of the new shakeups and moves, I hate that for new college football fans as they're trying to figure out, like, wait, why is this corner playing way over here and what are we doing and nobody wants to see cal and stanford just as independent teams that sucks and so mo i'm with you i think the new mountain west makes a lot of sense um i I, my only take on this boys is i love that we've just given up on renaming the conferences like the big 12 (laughs) i think it was was it 2010 the last when they became the big 12 with those two additions yeah I, yeah, I think, big, I think eight when the big when, 10 and then they yeah, brought right, in. Yeah. Right. I think 2010, mm-hmm. whatever is when they yep. changed it to the big 12. And then these changes were made and they're like, whatever, we're not changing it. It's just the big 12 with 15 or 16 yeah. teams. The in it. Big it is what 20 it is. is about where they're at. So <laughs> yeah, I think, they're, I think they're they have, at, they're at 16. Teams. They're at 16. Yeah, 16 now, right, 12. Yeah. And the, uh, the big 10 is also at 18 now. Uh, yeah, they have because of course it is for years and they've still been the big 10. Yeah. I love that too. It's like, why the numbers don't matter. Uh, whatever. Yeah, uh, but you know, I do think 
I think for casual fans, I'm not going to lie. I think for casual fans, this is a win for the casual mm. college football fan because what these conference realignment has done is created way more interesting matchups and that paired the best teams together, right? So as much as it sounds stupid to send the lacrosse team from, you know, one cross, you know, the swimming team from across the country to another, we want to see USC and Michigan play in football, right? So like yeah. as much as it sucks for women's soccer and as much as it sucks for all the other sports that it's going to be extremely inconvenient and costly, it's going to cost millions of dollars to send athletes across the country, but it's because we want these awesome matchups. We want the best teams together. And that's totally. what this conference realignment has been about motivated by TV dollars and motivated by TV companies who want to pay for the best matchups. So they're saying, go get USC and we'll pay you big 10, $70 million a year per school. That's a no brainer. That's a no brainer, you know? So. And I, and I, and I, I get all like the, like we want to see these matchups and big thing, but this is also why, like, I think Stanford and Cal going to the ACC is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Like <laughs> at that point, take the, take the two conferences. Yeah. You know, take, you know, I, I, I don't even know how to fix that. That would be the, just the dumbest thing of all time that you, that you would have the Atlantic Coast Conference have two representatives off the Pacific Coast. It just you makes just, no sense. It's, a, it's an easy rebrand, Mitch. You keep it ACC. At no, no more Atlantic Coast All Coast Conference. We're the All Coast Boom, Conference. Boom, saved All Coast Conference. Bam. I hate that. We don't even have I hate to that. change that's anything. That's actually such an easy solution. It, that's but... stupid. <laughs> I'm just, uh, but this is the reality we're in, right? We're in a reality where you, USC, UCLA, Washington, and Oregon are having to travel to Rutgers, are having to yeah. travel to Maryland, right? And and then the S, the SEC is regional, right? Well, the Big Rutgers 12, be in, you know, Rutgers is not be there in the first place, but you know, the, this this domino effect will be interesting to see, right? What happens with the remaining Pac-12 schools? The there's a lot of rumors of mergers with the Pac. Uh, with the Mountain West, but also with the AAC, with the American Athletic Conference, which very much views itself as the next best below the Power Five. If they could bring in some of these schools, could that elevate them to that Power Five status as the weakest power? You know, that's a move they could potentially make. Uh, but I think, you know, this is just the world we live in. And, and I just, I guess for fans, just it, this will not be the only thing. This is an ever-evolving thing. In, in, in 10 years, we might have two super conferences, and that's it. Power football, as we know, it might look completely different. It could be 40 teams in the power structure, and that's it. I mean, we really just don't know what the future holds. It's just very different right now. But uh, exciting at the same time. Not exciting if you're a Pac-12 fan of Washington State and Oregon State, but uh, probably exciting for everybody else. So, it's crazy. This conference realignment stuff has been nuts. Again, over the last two years, uh, we've been just sort of seeing news come out more and more. And again, more ripple effects to come. And I'm sure we'll uh, talk about it here. Anybody else have thoughts on that before we uh, move on? No, I just hate it. I just yeah. Hate it. Yep. Poor Oregon State, Washington State. Hope they figure well, something you know, out. And I, I, let me get this off. Oh, no, he chest. has more. <laughs> Let me get this off my did. chest. I, I knew he did. I, I was trying I, to set him I'm up. tired of talking about conference realignment. I just want to talk about college football. Yeah. Okay. I just want to talk about the football side of it. I don't want to talk about realignment anymore. Off my. And deck. that's where Mo. I think. I think when college football season starts, what Dallin is saying is totally right. It's like we're going to be pissed off about this until games come, and then games are going to come and they're going to be sick. And so. Yeah. 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 I'm a little bit sour right now. Yeah. No. It. I. I. I feel you. And. Uh, I, I I agree with you. 
I can tell you like in this market on our sports radio station, it's all we talk about. I mean, obviously Utah just switched conferences. BYU has been admitted into a conference. I mean, it's been a driving for, and I'm tired of it after years of like what we talk about, you know, it's like, can we just be done and like I said, play some football. But the good news is we are like three weeks away from college football and the college football preview is next week, Mitch. So all that energy towards college football next week, we'll be breaking it down with the college football preview. So uh, we'll look yeah. forward to that. That'll be fun. Absolutely. That'll Absolutely. be fun. Uh, we've got a couple of pit of misery entries, Mitch. Do you want to go first with yours? Yeah. I, you know what? The pit of misery, by the way, dilly dilly. Yeah. It's been a while since we've uh, had a pit of misery um, ad. And I want to shed a little light on DJ Cooper. DJ Cooper is a basketball player at the university of Ohio. If I remember correctly, um, submitted a drug test. Drug test comes back that DJ Cooper is pregnant. <laughs> Come to find out DJ Cooper used fake urine or used other urine from another person and used it from a woman. That's why his drug test came back as he was pregnant. So clearly he's hiding something. And also congratulations on the birth of your new child, DJ Cooper. So <laughs> dilly dilly. DJ Cooper into the pit of misery for just being a dumbass. Why, if you're gonna if you're gonna fake a drug test, why would you use female urine? There's the vetting no way- process has to be better. Yeah, there has to be, right? So, DJ dude, imagine Cooper- that meeting. Imagine that meeting for a second. Not only are you caught because obviously, but you also have to walk into a meeting where they're like, "Hey, listen, it's a boy." Like, <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that is uh that is pretty bad. That's well deserving of the pit of misery, Mitch. Dilly dilly. I love that. You know, hey, dilly just, dilly, boys. It's just like that could have been so so much better ex- executed and <laughs> wasn't even close. Like he just he swung and missed by a mile on that it, one. Missed entirely. Pitching Some the of dirt. the stupidest people I've ever known have successfully gone that route and pulled that off. So that's <laughs> tough. That's tough. I mean, it's a risky move. It's a risky move. That it is. That it is. Uh, You'll love to see it. Uh, I do also have an entry to the pit of misery. I guess I do have to kind of ask. I have to ask permission. This is a a submission to the pit of misery because this is Mitch is the warden of the pit of misery. It is his domain. Uh, But uh, I would like to nominate uh, the Baltimore Baltimore Orioles ownership uh, for the pit of misery. Angelos in particular. Yes, yes. 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 Uh, yes. It, uh, yeah, absolutely. For uh, their treatment of Kevin Brown, their uh, announcer, a young broadcaster for them who on July 23rd in the game against the Rays shared uh, some stats before the game about the fact that the Orioles had literally been God awful at Tropicana Field in the past until this season and how well they were playing now, mind you, Baltimore is in first place in the AL East. They are having an incredible season. This is, they are one of the stories of the MLB season. One of the darlings of this season and an owner decides, how about I just ruin all this good positive mojo for just, just cause I'm an ass and uh, took offense to these comments made by this broadcaster uh kevin brown was taken off air uh he hasn't been on a game since july 23rd and uh it's all because of a fragile ego 
of a guy who can't recognize that his franchise has been awful and they're actually doing something good. And let's just celebrate that instead of making it horrible. So, uh, yeah, this is just so dumb for all the things we like want to, you know, you could quote unquote say cancel or the things we want to get upset about or heard about, or, you know, hell people accountable for this is the most ridiculous thing i've ever seen like period it's ridiculous so uh yeah dilly dilly on that that's that's all i got yeah it's um you know it's we had the oakland a's movement of having trying to have john fisher sell the team in oakland baltimore should have the peter angelos movement just sell the team i mean this is this is horrible management this yeah. is awful management. Like you don't have the spine to take a little criticism. It's not even criticism. It was a statement of fact. You guys yeah. have sucked. <laughs> and and it's not like it was it opinion. Like he was yeah. it was literal statistics. Like this he was, was literally reading statistics. Completely subjective. Like you are <laughs> or objective. Excuse me. You are objectively bad. And now we're having success. And I'm pointing out the fact that we're having success now. And you're going to get fired. For, I mean, come on, man. I mean, this is yeah. just, this is absurd and ridiculous beyond comprehension. Peter Angelos uh, deserves to be removed as an owner uh, in Major League Baseball. Um, it, it It's absurd. It's absolutely yeah. absurd. Where do you get off? Where do I mean, you get off? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It so crazy. there we go. Pit of misery, dilly dilly, Peter Angelos. Uh, he probably should stay in there for a minute because, as you said, uh, already one of the worst owners in MLB and just uh, making uh, bad press for a team that's doing really well right now. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, if he's going to stay there for a while, I got to thin the herd a little bit because I'll just show this right here. We're we getting uh, this- deep. Oh my gosh. Wow. For those on the, the podcast. Is full. Yeah, this is a full sheet of paper. Uh, that, so, that's a lot. We 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 have some fitting out to do. You um, don't have a spreadsheet. You need to get to organize that a little more. Yeah, dude, friends. your 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 human management needs to be better, Mo. <laughs> I'm old school, man. I'm old school. We're talking about you're just scribbling their names and sentences. I'm a pen on and a paper, paper guy. Like a mad old school, man. yeah. That's how much yeah. disrespect he has for the pit of misery. It's like you don't even deserve the Excel sheet. You go on paper with crayon. He's like, Except if I even if I had crayon, you. if I had crayon, they would. <laughs> oh, you love to see it. Uh, there you go. Pit of misery, guys. Let's jump into our fantasy football preview. We're going to start this off uh, with something Mitch and I did last year on the podcast in our fantasy football preview, which is our favorite sleeper at each position uh, in fantasy football. So uh, we uh, we are doing this based on uh, consensus ADP from fantasy pros. Uh, we're looking at players outside of the top 12, which would be considered wide receiver one, QB one, RB one, tight end one at their position. And we're going to give you a a name to, you know, keep an eye on maybe somebody we're interested in or a guy that we think is going to be a really good value for it. So that's pretty much it. Pretty straightforward. Uh, I say we start at quarterbacks and I say we start with our guest because, uh, of course we got to have Jordan on here. So Jordan, uh, quarterback, uh, your favorite sleeper at the quarterback position this year. Appreciate you guys let me go first because we were we were talking pre-show about how many how much overlap we were going to have and my guess was that we were going to have a similar quarterback here. So my uh, sleeper quarterback for 2023 is none other than the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Kenny Pickett. 
current ADP 22. So quite a bit below our benchmark. Um, and listen, 2022 was trash for Pickett. We can be honest, like rookie season for Kenny Pickett was not good. And so if you're listening to this podcast right now and you paid attention to fantasy football last year, you're like, who is this guy that they have on right now? Uh, threw more interceptions than touchdowns. I think he threw nine interceptions, seven touchdowns. It was not good. Um, but his, his his ball security got better as the season went on. He he went on a three-game winning streak with the Steelers, Steelers to end the year. Um, but here's the thing, boys. Preseason projection for Kenny Pickett's rookie year was for him to throw 12 more touchdowns than he did. He ended up throwing seven. Preseason projections were 19. Real stats, he threw a touchdown 1.8% of his throws. Okay, not good. We can all agree, not good. But here's the thing. There is one player in NFL history, when you look at his rookie season, he had almost an identical rookie season to Kenny Pickett. Do you guys want to take a guess who that player is? Mitch Moe. Peyton Manning. It's not Peyton Manning. That's a good guess, though. It is none other than Carson Wentz. Oh, wow. Carson Wentz's okay. rookie year was almost identical to Kenny Pickett, at least in that that touchdown to throw percentage. It was right about 1.8. So here's the thing. Carson Wentz in recent years, obviously, you're like, OK, well, that's great. That sounds excellent. That's definitely a guy I want. But I want to draw your attention back to Carson Wentz's season following up his rookie year in which he took a giant leap forward. And that was the Carson Wentz darling period. And so. I am not saying Kenny Pickett's going to do exactly that, but it is a decently interesting parallel to take. Um, and I like Pickett's wide receiver room. Uh, I like the Steelers a decent amount this coming year. And so I see a huge positive touchdown regression coming for Pickett this coming season. You know, I, I like that a lot. Pickett is a name I am interested in, especially as like, let's say you wait on quarterbacks and you're taking someone a little further down the road and you want a, a nice insurance of a second guy who could really end up better for you I love that for Pickett and I and I will add as well Jordan I think the rushing ability adds yep. a little bit more to Pickett and it's not like he's not Lamar Jackson but he had 55 rushes last year 237 yards and three touchdowns so he will get out he will move he is going to be a factor and in fantasy football any rushing stats for a quarterback is just going to add so much value so I I love that pick that's a great pick what do you think Mo? Yeah, I I actually really like that pick. Um, I think that he's going to be an absolute fantasy asset um, in the depth in the depth perception of that. You know, like a guy that you could really plug in if your starting quarterback goes down. A great like in redraft formats, twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth round pick um, that you could really lean on. And I I agree with Jordan that the positive aggression seems to be in his favor when you compare him to like a Carson Wentz type. So. Um, I think that Kenny Pickett with the wide receiver room that he has with Najee Harris probably coming off of the sophomore slump type of stuff. There's going to be a run game to support what he's doing. Um, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a great year for Kenny Pickett. Yeah, I like it. All right, uh, Mitch, you can go next. Who's uh, which sleeper quarterback are you looking at this year? All right, well, not where I thought that Jordan Fox was going to go because. Um, this is a guy that I've been not very high on, um, especially going into the NFL draft. I thought that he might be overdrafted or drafted too high. Um, I'm going to go to the Indianapolis Colts, and I'm taking Anthony Richardson as uh, my sleeper quarterback. And look, 
the guy's got all the metrics, right? He's 255. He's 6'4", 255. The guy's got the, he's got the size. He's got the arm strength. He's got the athleticism. Coming out of Florida, self-admittedly, I was not a big Anthony Richardson fan because the numbers that he put up at Florida just weren't there. He completed something like 53% of his passes last year at Florida. However, we have seen a very, very good mixtape of Anthony Richardson from the combine to mini camp to training camp. And all we know is this guy can ball. This guy can ball. And I think he's in a good situation right now that he is going to be, um, he's going to have a run game to support him. He has the offensive line that vastly underperformed last year. I think that this is a guy that by the end of the year, right now he's at an ADP of, of 17. Um, uh, per fantasy pros, I think that he can vastly outperform that and be a top 12 quarterback by the end of the year. So I'm going to go with Anthony Richardson as a Cam Newton, Cam Newton body type with some Jalen Hurts athleticism sprinkled in there. Um, and I love his arm talent as well. So I'm going Anthony Richardson. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, I think that's very a very interesting pick. You know, the rookie quarterback, that's always going to be uh, uh, the biggest question mark, right? Is just, we haven't seen your projecting, but obviously the upside there and you know, he's going to get rushing stats. Uh, so the range makes sense. He's QB 17 right now uh, on, uh, on ADP rankings. Jordan, your thoughts on Anthony Richardson. Yeah. I like that pick Mo uh, for kind of some of the same reasons we were talking about with Pickett. He obviously is a way better rusher than Pickett is, but the, the safety blanket that comes with a quarterback with rushing ability, it can't be overstated. I mean, he had 1,200 rushing yards at Florida over two seasons, uh, but he can also bomb it. Like, he, he, I think nine of his 17 touchdowns were over 20-plus yards. So the guy can throw the dang football. He's going to give you a safety blanket of rushes. Um, it's going to be interesting to see that first year, what we get. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's where my hesitance is. If you look at history and I just looked back at uh, 2021, cause I was curious where Justin Fields sat as his rookie year, right? Cause we're talking about a running, a guy that has rushing stats and that was his main contribution young. He wasn't putting up big passing numbers and fields didn't play full time. And we'll see how if Richardson plays all 17 games, but in 2021, uh, Justin Fields was QB 31, uh, not very great. Now, on the other hand, the other name that I thought of, and he was a first-year starter, second-year player this year, but Jalen Hurts in 2021, also a running-type quarterback, he was QB 9. Uh, he was much higher up. I think the reality is probably in the middle of those two guys for Anthony Richardson, which is why he's QB 17 right now. makes a lot of sense, but I, I think the upside is there. If he looks solid as a rookie and he gets the rushing numbers, yeah, he could be absolutely a QB one uh, in fantasy football. Interesting that you bring up Hertz too, down because Richardson's new coach helped develop Hertz and Herbert. Yes. So I mean, he's got a new head coach that has a proven track record of being able to develop really good young quarterbacks. So it's interesting for sure. Yep. It's a really interesting spot. Yeah, I like the pick. Uh, my uh, my fantasy QB sleeper this year is uh, Geno Smith. I'm going Geno Smith. It's not the sexy pick. And that's why you're like, Geno, like really? He's QB 14 right now, which, yeah, makes sense. That's that's probably a, a fair range, but uh, you guys know where Gino ended up last year in, in QB rankings in fantasy football. Do you guys do you guys have a, a guess where he ended up? I'm gonna say 
It's pretty darn good. I'm going to say nine. Nine. Jordan? I think it's higher than I don't maybe it's not I don't know I don't know I don't have a good guess you don't have a guess Geno Smith was QB five last yeah year that, here's the crazy thing you guys are gonna believe me I was gonna say five and then I got fearful I'm like there's no freaking way it's not possible <laughs> you, were, you can't be fearful Jordan you, you were right yeah only behind Patrick Mahomes Josh Allen Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow last year was Geno Smith yes a whole ahead of Justin Fields and all those rushing stats and now I, I don't expect Gino to put up the kind of numbers that he did. I mean, extremely uh, efficient, 30 passing touchdowns last year. Didn't Doesn't really add much on the ground, but when you get 30 passing touchdowns, that's big. I don't know if he hits that again this year, but this is an, uh, he, we know what he is. He pro he's proven to us in Seattle what he is. Seattle likes Gino. They brought him back. They could have drafted a quarterback. They didn't. They like what they've gotten. They've added a weapon in JSN. I think Gino is the easiest lock to slide into the top 10, top 12 by the end of this year. And he's QB 14 right now. So if you're at the end and you're like, hey, I want to wait next round, grab a wide receiver and, and then grab Gino. Uh, I think that's a great move. So uh, I really like Gino Smith at QB 14. Yeah, I think Gino's a great pick. Um, I mean, it was a prove it year for him, right? And, you know, I, as he gets older, that mobility has is, is slowly gone away, but he's actually developed into a very good pocket passer. Um, and that was self-evident in what he put up last year. So um, as the weapons get better and as uh, he continues to develop within that offense, there's no reason to think that he shouldn't be uh, at least flirting with that top 12 by the end of the year. Yeah, I think Gino offers us as fantasy owners the same thing he offers the Seahawks in just a really – solid, stable, but cheap option at quarterback. Like you were saying, Down, this is a guy you're going to be able to get when you wait at quarterback and get him way later in your drafts. But he's not going to be lower than that 12 spot. He just won't be. Like the Seahawks have gotten objectively better than they were last season. And even if you factor Geno's possible regression coming, which it probably will to some degree, he's still going to be right at the worst at that 12 spot. And I would say possibly, probably much higher. Yeah. Yeah. All righty, guys. That's quarterbacks. Uh, three good names so far. I'm, I'm surprised by some of these. I saw some of these coming. We'll see uh, if we cross over each other on some of these yet. So far, three separate picks. So uh, we'll go to this was backs. the one we thought we were going to step all over each other's toes. True. Too. So, it was like... certain. I was so sure. <laughs> that is true. Uh, all right. Let's jump over to running backs. And uh, Mitch, you want to go first this time? Who do you have as your sleeper running back? Yeah, sure. And, I, and I'm going to go with the guy that's going to be coming off of injury. And I think that, you know, and he's right now, he's just outside the top 12. He's actually at RB 13. Um, I think that give this guy a little bit of time and we'll start to see the, you know, the breakout start to come from this guy, but I'm going to go with Brees Hall and it's probably the easy pick, but I don't think it's that easy of a pick. The guy's coming off a major knee injury. He's re rehabbed exceptionally well. Uh, they expect him back by the beginning of the year, but I don't expect him to really get the ball rolling until about maybe week five or six, right? He's going to be in some sort of rotation, probably in those first few weeks. What I'm saying is I think you can get Brees Hall a little bit later in your drafts. I think that you can wait until maybe the fourth or fifth round to maybe get Brees Hall. And when it comes down to it, be patient with him. Be patient with Brees Hall. You're not going to get the gaudy numbers 
that you expect from this guy, but wait until week five or six and you can move him out of that flex spot, move him into your RB2, RB1 spot. Um, and he's going to be a, a, a fantastic contributor for you. Uh, we know what he can do on the ground and he's been a, he's shown to have a lot of success in the, in the air game as well. So I think that Brees Hall, if you're patient with him, is going to be a guy that can be a top 12 type guy by the end of the year. It's just going to take a little bit of patience. Wait, wait on Brees Hall and take him just a couple, maybe a round or two later than what you think. Yeah, I, you know, I, I like Brees Hall a lot this year. I mean, obviously he had, he had a big breakout last year and the injury, we kind of forgot about him, but there were only five running backs uh, in 2022 who averaged more fantasy points per game than Brees Hall did when he played. Josh Jacobs, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley. Like, those are the best running backs in the league. And then right behind them was Brees Hall. Now, again, he was injured, so we didn't get to see all of him. But, yeah, I think he's definitely worth the shot because if he's getting 12, 13, 14 plus games of production, he's going to be very good for you. So, I like the pick, Mitch. Jordan, your thoughts on Brees Hall? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't need to throw any more stats in addition to what you guys said. We know what Brees Hall can do when healthy on the field. There there are a couple of concerns in my mind when it comes to Brees Hall, and none of them have to do with Brees Hall's ability. It has to do with coming back from injury. How long is he going to be thrown into that timeshare situation? Because he's in there with Michael Carter, who I still believe is a is a capable running back. I mean, we've seen that in in spurts. And then the Jets are also taking a look at Dalvin Cook, apparently, which who knows what's happening with that. But if, like in this hypothetical world, they go get Dalvin Cook, and even if they don't, how long does this timeshare last? Um, but if it's just a short stint, like Brees Hall is just going to go absolutely nuts. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair uh, that's a fair point there, and that is something that the Dalvin Cook news I, I'm sure has been scaring a lot of people this offseason is uh, if he ends up signing with New York, how does that affect that backfield? And, and it's something. Uh, that we'll certainly, I guess, have to wait and see on. So, uh, Jordan, who's your uh, running back pick? Yeah, this is my first of two homer picks, Mitch. So here you go. Uh, we're going with Aaron Jones. He's a 17. Yeah. Uh, listen, I had to. There's no way I'm I'm looking at the ADP currently, and I'm not going to take Aaron Jones. The Packers offense is a huge question mark coming into 2023. Uh, Aaron Jones isn't. So when you're looking at, at sleepers or fantasy producers, especially at the running back position, one of the things I look at are what are offenses that are going to be terrible that have a great running back? Because what are they going to do? Like Jordan Love might end up being fantastic. Great. That would be excellent for me as a Packers fan. I hope he is. But when he inevitably struggles to start the year and when the Packers offense stalls, what are they going to do? Well, they're going to rush. So um, his his rushing rate is going to undoubtedly increase from what it was last year. He was kind of upper middle of the pack. Nothing crazy to look at there. But um, and then there's the the conversation of AJ Dillon is still there. And so AJ Dillon is going to vulture the pass attempts. It's it's we're never going to have what we once had with Aaron Jones in the passing game. But I have full confidence that Aaron Jones's rushing ability will carry him to fantasy relevance and he scored like three rushing touchdowns last year which is not going to be the same this year so Aaron Jones was an easy pick he was RB11 last year with that few touchdowns so exactly yeah his rushing yardage will just carry you touchdowns or not and positive touchdown regression again should inevitably come and the Packers have to lean on him I mean they just have nothing else to start the year and so they're gonna rush the football and Aaron Jones is good enough where it 
doesn't really matter if the other team knows it. He's just going to pound it down your throats. Yeah, I love the Aaron Jones pick. He was on my short list. I will pick a different name because you had you had you did take him, which is great. It's a great pick. Uh, definitely a guy I like. Mitch, your thoughts on Aaron Jones? The the AJ Dillon thing is a worry for me because he's not only a he's just he's a vulture in the goal line situations, right? That is a big bodied man. And I think part of the reason why Aaron Jones touchdowns were down last year is because Aaron Jones or because AJ Dillon became such a reliable goal line back. Um, kind of a I'm gonna throw a wild name out here, but kind of a Mike Gillisley situation um over there in in New England about 2015, um, 2014. I mean, just he vultured goal line situations and um, so that's where I have a little bit of worry about Aaron Jones. I think that uh, he's still the lead back and they're going to have to lean a lot on the rushing game, especially with developing Jordan love. But um, I still like the pick. I think that he could definitely absolutely get his way into a, in, you know, a top 12 situation uh, come season's end. Yeah. And this could yeah. be a two parter boys. Honestly, B- both running backs in green Bay are going to be excellent. They yes. just are yes, because they have mm-hmm. to be. So regardless of AJ Dillon's vulturing or his production, I think they're both going to be very fantasy relevant producers. And I still love Aaron Jones, even if AJ Dillon continues to vulture goal line carries. One yeah. of my biggest regrets in dynasty is trading you AJ Dillon. So, you know, thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I hate to see it for uh, Russell Gage. Are you kidding me? That's, that's so a, you should not have said they're that not all no. winners, Mo. They're you not, not a bad You should have lied and said I sent you Lamar Jackson or you something could have ridiculous. That I traded you AJ Dillon. That was it. <laughs> It'd have been better bad. for yourself, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, that's great. Uh, my my uh, sleeper pick at running back, and uh, besides Aaron Jones, the other guy that I, I'm kind of intrigued about is James Connor. Uh, James Conner running back for the Arizona Cardinals last year running back 19 not sexy not great right now I think he's projected at that exact same spot at RB 19 right now uh, but uh, no he's actually RB 23 I'm looking at standard PPR is RB 19 yes and uh, J- James Conner is a hard one it's very hit or miss and he's so touchdown dependent that's really what it's about when he's had double digit touchdowns he's been like a top five running back uh, in 2021, he was a top five running back with like 15 touchdowns. In 2018, he had the big season with Pittsburgh. He was a big running back. Other than that, he's like an RB2. Uh, but he is going to get a good amount of run this year with a Cardinals team that is depleted of talent, has nobody really to turn to, and they're going to need to rely on this run game, especially early in the season. He's got backups getting injured right now, so there's going to be a lot of workload for James Conner available. So just by sheer volume, I think he's going to be pretty good. And then if the touchdown numbers get back up, if they trend in the right direction, he's been down a couple years. So you, you know, you play that you're like, all right, this is the up year. If he hits 10 touchdowns, he's like an RB eight. Like it'll be very easy. So, um, as like your second running back, you're taken, you get a solid guy. And then you say, you know what? RB two, we'll give James Conner a shot. I think it could be a good value. Well, you know, the reports at the camp is that James Conner has been somewhat a part of the pass game as well. So maybe you're on something great. here, Dallin. Um, I think this is a great pick. I mean, this is still a guy with a big body, big, healthy body that's uh, young enough to contribute um, at the running back position. Um, 
if if the rumors are true that he is contributing in the pass game as well, I mean, you're looking at a guy that could sneak his way into the top 10, um, maybe even that top seven range. Um, James Conner, I've always been a fan of. It's just the situation has never been quite right other than that one year in Pittsburgh. So um, I, I love the pick. I love the pick. Yeah, it's always can he stay healthy, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, when James Conner's on the field, there's no issue at all with him being an absolute top producer. And of course, he's going to be involved in the in the past game, by the way. Who else is Kyler Murray throwing to in Arizona? Yeah, <laughs> the water boy when they suit him up like there's nobody to catch passes. So he's going to yeah. catch more passes. And then James Conner in the last eight games of the season last year, he took 90 percent of the snaps. Arizona added no one at the running back position. So it's all his. Mm-hmm. And he was running back four through those last eight weeks. So it's 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 an obvious no brainer for me. If he's healthy and on the field, James Conner is going to be awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, I thought I was going to be shamed low key. So I'm glad you guys are like all on board. I'm on board. I love that. I love I'm on board. All right. uh, Let's jump over to wide receiver, guys. I want to go first here because I don't want anyone to steal this. So I'm going to go. Don't do this to me. Sleeper pick. And I got to go Amari Cooper. This is like, thank you. This is the easiest one for me of any of the ones that we've talked about and that we will talk about today. Amari Cooper is the easiest one for me right now. He's wide receiver 17. Last year, he was wide receiver eight. Last year, he was wide receiver eight with a bad Deshaun Watson and half a season of Jacoby Brissett, right? And we all expect this Browns offense to be better. We all expect Deshaun to be better. He's being drafted as a top 10 QB right now. We expect that all to be better. So if Amari Cooper, who, uh, you know, put up 1,100 receiving yards last year and nine touchdowns with that situation... He's good for at least that this year, which is wide receiver, which is top 10. If not, potentially even better. We know Amari. He's extremely talented and extremely underrated. So I am like all in on Amari Cooper this year. I think he's huge value wide receiver 17. That is a huge value. I mean, I mean, this guy, this guy wasn't that long ago, a top 12 wide receiver. And like you mentioned that he finished up wide receiver eight last year with the quarterback situation that he had, but he was like a chalk top 12 wide receiver. Not that long ago. Now we're in a situation. Maybe Deshaun Watson has found his stride. He's going to work out the wrinkles, get back into kind of Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson, put him in a great situation where, you know, he could be a true wide receiver one again, where it was, you know, in Dallas with, with Amari, it was kind of convoluted, right? Like, he was the biggest name, but like there's all these emerging guys behind him. So who's going to be wide receiver one? Amari's clearly the night, the wide receiver one in Cleveland. And he's given that opportunity here. I think this is a great pick Dallin, and that he is going to have um, the opportunity to have a second breakout, a, a, a rebirth, if you will, um, in his career. So I love that pick for Amari. Yeah. It feels like the safest pick to me. I, I agree with you Dallin. Like we're talking about Amari, for the first time, being clear wide receiver one in an offense that is led by an elite level quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Like we're we're all assuming Derek Carr's not elite. I'm kidding. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not- Raider fans. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're all assuming Deshaun Watson is just going to return to form. Maybe something happens. I don't know. It's been a long time, but yeah. I mean, how does he not produce? At yeah. at at the worst, he's a wide receiver too. With massive wide receiver one upside, I oh, yeah. I love that pick down. Tar- target yeah. monster, he should be a oh, target yeah. monster. 
Absolutely. All right, uh, Jordan, you want to go next year? Who's your wide receiver pick? I will go next year. I need. I, uh, how do I? How do I preface this? Okay. So in my prep, just so you guys know, the guy I wanted to go with was showing at fourteen, and now I'm seeing he's showing right at twelve. So I'm not going to pick him because he's literally the line. But I am going to say this: Chris Olave, yeah, is going to finish at wide receiver three this season. Ooh, wow! And I don't even think it's that spicy. Chris like Olave is unbelievable i'm gonna save you guys all of my prep work on chris Olave. just <laughs> i'm getting it on spicy. record now yeah. you got justin jefferson you got jamar chase and then it's gonna be chris Olave. okay moving wow. to my actual guy calvin ridley yeah calvin That's ridley a good pick. he's at 16 i i have loved calvin ridley forever i was previously a calvin ridley dynasty owner he's gone now obviously from my team but uh man i love this guy and more than my love for calvin ridley i love the Jags. The Jags offense is so fun. It's so fun. Trevor Lawrence is my dude. Travis Etienne, unbelievable. And then you get Calvin Ridley, which I don't know if you guys are seeing the videos coming out of camp, but he's making dudes look like peewee footballers before they run routes before him. Like and then Calvin Falcons Ridley runs out there. Yeah. 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 He's fast he's cutting it looks like injuries never happened it looks like he never missed any time that dude looks unreal based off the tape we're seeing and now pair him up with a surging jags offense powered by trevor lawrence i mean i would be dumbfounded if calvin ridley does not get back to the wide receiver one numbers of old yeah i mean he was to remind people he was wide receiver four in 2020 right and that was the last time we really saw him at full strength and it is but like he was wide receiver four at that point in his career. And I think a lot of the hesitance is obviously he hasn't played in a while. And, you know, the sort of dynamic in this wide receiver room, you have Christian Kirk, who was wide receiver 11 last year. He was a wide receiver one. And now, you, you know, how does this sort of balance out? But I think Ridley's obviously he is the guy in that offense. He is going to get the targets. He's going to be the big play machine. So I think Ridley's good for it. I love the pick. Uh, and it's a great value. Mitch, your thoughts on Calvin Ridley? I mean, I love that pick. That was one of the guys that I had on my short list. Um, I love the Jags offense as well. I think that this is going to be an exceptionally fun team to watch. They might be a 9-10 win team, but they're going to be fun. They're going to be really fun and seek their way in maybe to an AFC wild card. Um, I think that like, he just he just has not lost a step. Nope. He just hasn't lost a step. He's looking like old Falcons, Calvin Ridley. There's there's no step that he's lost. Um, it, it's it's a fantastic pick, Jordan. Yeah. And I'm kind of mad I didn't get to take it, but <laughs> I feel strongly, I I didn't I feel get to strongly about Lave. this guy as well. So. Okay, well, you have the pick, Mitch. So who do you got? So you guys had a guy at wide receiver, what, 18? And wide receiver yeah, Ridley's at 18. 17. I want you to go all the way down to wide receiver 32. Shut your mouth. Ooh. I'm going Michael Pittman Jr. Love it. Okay. Love it. Um, this is a guy with an actual legitimate quarterback situation going on in his favor right now, right? Big, strong arm. Anthony Richardson. I talked about him earlier. The, the quarterback room that this guy's had, let's, let's, let's talk this through here. He's had Matt Ryan. He's had Jacob Eason. He's had Carson Wentz. And I believe he had Phillip Rivers for a year. 
and Philip Rivers was at the end of his career, kind of the flailing Philip Rivers that we know. Not a great quarterback situation for a guy with so much talent. This guy is primed for his breakout year, and I, I'll call it right now. Michael Pittman will be a top ten wide receiver in fantasy Spicy. football at the end of the year. This guy has hey. so much talent. He has the deep threat ability. He has the big play ability. But I think that he could be a Michael Crabtree type, a target monster, a five, six, seven reception type guy, a game where you're going to be, it's a guy that you plug in at wide receiver one or wide receiver two and not even think twice about it. I think by the end of the year, Michael Pittman will be a top 10 wide receiver in fantasy football. Lock it in right now. I like it. I mean, he was like a popular name last year for a breakout candidate in year two. And a lot of people expected that leap. Maybe we were a year too early. I like that thought, Mitch. And I, and I will say you're onto something here. Uh, Pittman was 12th in the NFL last year in targets uh, of all wide receivers 12th last year. Right? So he's already a volume monster. Those numbers are going to continue. He only had four receiving touchdowns, but he had 900 receiving yards. So you know, he, he had good enough numbers that if he he's like seven or eight touchdowns, he, instead of wide receiver 27 in 2022, he's probably, you know, wide receiver 15, 16, 17. Right. So I, yeah, he's not that far off from there, even though the ADP and what he's shown you before might scare you of thinking, is that really, is he really capable of getting into the top 12? I think you're right. I mean, numbers wise, he's going to have the ability, you know, a lot depends on Anthony Richardson, but uh, yeah, he's certainly going to have the targets. So I like that pick, Jordan. Yeah, I mean, the touchdowns are the issue, right? If if, if he catches a couple more, couple more touchdowns, we're not having this conversation right now. But guys, he caught 100 passes last year. Yeah. This is the quietest yeah. 100 yeah. reception season anybody's ever had. Like, yep. The, the, there's a question mark about target share, I guess, with the new quarterback in the offense. But man, if he puts up even close to the same amount of receptions, it gets a couple more touchdowns. What are we talking about? Mm-hmm. And I mean, talk about the big playability. He has that athletic ability with Anthony Richardson, the big arm guy that we know him as. Maybe we're talking about a, a 13, 1400 yard receiver with similar reception numbers. Maybe not a hundred. That's, that's absurd. But you know, in that 90 to, you know, that 80 to 95 range with that kind of yardage, we're talking about a top 10 wide receiver here. Yeah. Also, here's the other crazy part, boys. It feels like Pittman's been around forever for some reason, in my head at least. Maybe you guys don't feel the same way. The guy's 25. This is yeah. 30 only 25 right? years old. Yeah. This is 30. Yeah, years? I think so. Yeah. yeah. It feels I like think... it. I don't know if that's the dynasty effect or what. It feels like he's been around for forever. We've been waiting forever, but the guy's 25 years old. Yeah. He's got so much time. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, it's a great point. It's a great point, Jordan. Uh, all right. On to tight ends. Final. Uh, Final category here, sleeper tight ends. Uh, let's go, Jordan, first. Who, who's your who's your pick? This is my other homer pick. Give me Luke Musgrave. Oh, Don't roll wow. your eyes at me. Don't roll your eyes at me. Here's the deal. Listen, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw Coach Speak out first thing. Right, Matt Lafleur's most recent comments on Luke was that he is the biggest, fastest guy I've ever seen. At the tight end flyer position, listen, you got to make some He's dart throws. Tight end- right now i am aware i'm aware listen when you when you get into a conversation about tight end sleepers you gotta start making some dart throws this is a dart throw for me and when i'm making dart throws at the tight end position what i'm looking for is size and athletic ability both of which 
Luke Musgrave has. The dude's 6'6", 253, and guys, he ran a 4'6", He's huge. He's athletic at the tight end position. He's He is all the things that we loved about Kyle Pitts, but he's not Kyle Pitts. Like, when Kyle Pitts was coming in, we're like, he's huge. He's super athletic. He's the most athletic tight end we've seen since Tony Gonzalez. It's like, cool. I'm not saying Luke Musgraves is that, but I am saying he's massive and super athletic. Here's the thing. I'm going to throw you back to Green Bay. Think about it for a minute. Who's catching passes, Mo? Christian Watson. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Romeo Probably not. Dobbs. Romeo Dobbs is not catching anything. There's nobody there. There's nobody there to catch passes. Sorry, I was just and, trying to. Uh, I was trying you know, to listen. It, you you no got avail. deeper than you got deeper at Green Bay's offense than most people would be able to get. Like, there's nobody there. Add to the fact that you got Jordan Love in his first real year at quarterback. He's gonna dump it down. He's gonna. And when you have a six six two fifty three tight end where you look down and all you see is the goalpost of a giant man's arms, you're gonna throw it there. He's going to get a good amount of receptions. It looks like he's going to be the day one starter in Green Bay. Yes, this is a crazy dart throw, but I'm telling you, don't be surprised. Okay, so you might be right. <laughs> so I look, you might be right. Luke Musgrave obviously is is going to be a, a guy that's going to compete for targets and with the lack of guys around him. He probably is going to be the recipient of a lot of those. So um, I, I don't have much else to say because it's tough. Like we have nothing to go off of here, right? It's we like have it's nothing a pure to go off dart of. throw. And I don't want and to talk anything good about Green Bay Green football. Bay. I get it. I get it. But it's like, I, listen, if we're if we're talking dart throws here, take size, take athleticism and take sure availability for receptions. I like that's, yeah. that's purely where my metrics are at. Yeah, and if you're in a deeper league, you've got enough space on your bench to take that second or maybe even third tight end. That's the I think that's like the perfect guy to go after and say, I'll get somebody, you know, solid that's just going to do enough for me and then take a guy like Musgrave that has that huge potential because of, I think, as you alluded to very well, just what we don't know about the pass catchers in Green Bay and how the ball is going to get divvied out, who Jordan Love likes, how he likes to throw it, where he likes to put it. I mean, that's all... TBD. So I like the I like the gamble on Luke Musgrave. Dallin, can right. we play can we play a fun little game real quick just because I really yes. want to take Mitch's temperature? Mitch, Luke Musgrave or Hunter Henry? Which I realize I might be taking one of your picks right here, but I'm just curious. Luke Musgrave or Hunter Henry? Uh-huh. Um Hunter Henry. I'm taking Musgrave. I'm taking Musgrave. Yep. Yep. And that's like, Musgrave. listen, Hunter Henry is like at freaking 17 or something. He's, he's that middle of the pack kind of, he's a 21. Okay. He's lower than that, but yeah. I mean, again, at tight end, it's so hard. Cause it's, it's so different than other. All other right, positions. let's play right? the game. Top, let's top play. guys. <laughs> let's and then play you the got game. A bunch of mid tier guys. And you got to decide exactly you know, where to, where to go in that range. So we're let's, throwing let's, darts anyway, throw a dart. Yeah. Hold on. Let's play the game then. Luke Musgrave or, or Greg Dulcich? Musgrave. I, I, I would. That's you know, actually, that's Dulcich. close. That's that's right at the line for me. Yeah, like, I, honestly, close. anybody below Dulcich, I'm taking Musgrave, I think. Okay, so you think Musgrave has top 12? I do. Ability, because Dulcich is at 12. I do. Because, Mo, here's the deal. If you look at the okay. tight end landscape right now, 
anybody below Darren Waller, right? And so if you're looking, we're talking top five should be guaranteed stud tight ends. Anybody from five to 12 could land anywhere. Yeah. Like justifiably without argument that it's just, it's going to be an absolute crapshoot. Absolutely. I think Musgrave, given all the stuff we talked about, could end up somewhere in that 12. Okay. Now I think we know that Jordan isn't advocating for you to draft Luke Musgrave. No, where you this would is draft Dulcich or where you would draft. No, a no this Henry. would be a late round. But steal. yes, but as far as the value goes, I mean, you make a very compelling argument. Yeah. All right, Mitch, you're up. I'm not on board with that. Do you want? Do you want me to second or? No, no, I'll go. I'll go. I'll you gotta go. go to break early. Mo's gotta cool off. No, I'll go because I'm gonna be Homer for a second. Oh, I knew yeah. you were going to. I'm going Cole Komet. So yeah. yeah. And you look at you look at what Chicago has, right? Yeah, they have DJ. They brought in DJ Moore. That's great addition, right? Justin Fields needed that wide receiver one that he could throw the ball to. Outside of that, Darnell Mooney was kind of the de facto wide receiver one because they had no one else. He's probably at best a wide receiver two. At the very best, they have Chase Claypool, who who knows if he's even going to make the roster at this point because of how streaky and how inconsistent this guy is. Who else does Justin Fields have to throw the ball to? Well, what do DJ quarterbacks Moore. they have DJ Moore, but if quarterbacks are going to lean on a body size from the 20 yard line in in a passing situation, where do they typically go? The big bodied the big bodied guy. They go from and DJ Moore, as much as I love him, not the big bodied wide receiver. Cole Komet is the big body in that offense. Cole Komet is going to be exceptionally touchdown dependent. I don't think that this guy is going to be like an 80, you know, a 70, 80 perception type guy, but I think that he could be a high volume touchdown guy that you could snag late in your drafts. I think that he could be a guy that, you know, as a 50, 50 to 60 reception guy, maybe 800 yards, but could rack up in the eight, nine touchdown range because he's going to be a red zone type of threat. Cole Komet, big bodied guy. I'm going, I'm going with the Comet, Cole Komet. Yeah, you know, I do think that's a solid pick, Mitch. This is a guy who was tight end seven last year. Uh, and also tight end seven with like six, what was it, like 69 catches? Like he he didn't have like big numbers. He had, I think, seven receiving touchdowns, which that helps. He had zero the prior year. Uh, so big difference there. So, like you said, sort of touchdown dependent, but like He's getting uh, 90 targets. He's a part of this offense. He's and the numbers have shown that over the last couple of years. And yeah, you know, you look at the options around him, not very many better options. So with where he's going right now and having and the fact that he's already shown you to be a top eight tight end at the position, I think that's a really good pick. Yeah, and Justin Fields is is improving as a passer too which which yes, improves the offense on the whole the dj Moore thing taking away targets like okay whatever but the reality is cole Komet's going to catch touchdowns and that's where his value lies and so um if the offense is moving if they're getting down to the goal line i i agree i think cole Komet's a, a good solid pick love it all right uh and then my my tight end my sleeper at the position this year is uh chigga a conquo 
uh, Chigozium Aconquo uh, of the Tennessee Titans. You may not even know who this player was. He was like a fourth round pick last year who really had no hype, no, nothing going for him whatsoever. But uh, Tennessee, speaking of depleted uh, pass catching cores, they had basically yeah. They yeah. still remain to have nobody, but definitely last year we're struggling in that department. And he was able to emerge, especially in the second half of the season uh, as somebody worth uh, having 32 receptions, 450 yards and three touchdowns right now. He's tight end uh, 14. So there is an expectation that he's going to make a leap considering he was uh, tight end 21 last year. But I think he is the type of guy that can jump up into like that top eight range. And Jordan, you mentioned when you're looking in this mid range, you want uh, any high upside are guys that are going to be extremely athletic that have all those sort of tools. And that's the kind of player that Chigakonkwo is. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of like, can he develop in this offense? Is he going to get that big enough role as a fourth round pick when you're putting him next to Traylon Burks and you're putting him next to other players? Is he going to be able to get that much volume when you've invested a high pick into like a Cole Komet, when you've invested picks into other players, you're more keen to give them those targets. Is Chig going to be able to get enough targets to really get that high? I think that's my biggest question, but Tennessee needs to throw to him. They like throwing to him. He came on strong in the second half of last season. I think he's only going to grow into that. So I think he's a really solid pick, even though he's 14 right now, just on the cusp. I think he's a very solid pick to get into that top 12. I love a Conquo. Uh, shout out to also just being a classic Dallin guy with just the hardest last name to pronounce ever. <laughs> uh, he practiced he was on, for a week. I didn't. Uh, no yeah. doubt about it. I got Conquo no is not that like, hard. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, I got to no, get through the this. First name. It's uh, the first name that he's short. The first name I'm not going to try. It. Yeah, forget about it. Uh, he was on my short list. He's a guy who I like a lot. There are more question marks with him than I think some of the other dart throws we could pick because we also could potentially be forgetting that DeAndre Hopkins just signed with the Titans. And so that is more targets that are gone, obviously. And their quarterback room is a nightmare. Like, who knows? Who knows? Mm -hmm. Who knows what that is going to look like? So I like Aconquo a lot as a player uh and again he was on my short list there's just some question marks that made me go a different direction but otherwise I'm totally on board with you Dylan yeah D hop D hop definitely adds a a question mark a bigger question mark to Aconquo um and what kind of target share he's going to get also these you know this offense runs a lot of like two tight end three tight end sets um our boy Jeff Swaim plays in Tennessee so like yeah, he's probably third on that depth chart. But played, uh, he actually is in still Arizona deserves the now. shout out. He's in he where? Is, uh, he is in Arizona with the Cardinals. Oh, okay. Uh, well, they, he's they about to little, be an immaculate grid gem. They, he's been yeah, everywhere. Yeah. They did a little uh, inadvertent swap of you could say they swapped D Hop and Jeff Swaim, but uh, it wouldn't necessarily be accurate. But you know, you know it, it you know with the multiple tight end sets and um, they're they're really focusing on like the blocking tight end types. Um, I have a hard time. Um, I mean, I think that you have this guy pegged down pretty good, but you know, I think that there's going to be some targets taken away from him, but definitely a potential to be a top 12 tight end by the end of the year. Oh yeah. I mean, as we've kind of alluded to already, it's like you get that top five that you feel very solid about at tight end. And then after that, it's like pick whoever you feel most comfortable with, you yep. know? Uh, and, uh, there's gonna be a lot of different options, uh, to, to pick from. So there you go. That's our favorite sleeper at every position this year in fantasy football. That's uh love that. Great stuff, guys. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Is there a name that we didn't mention that you're very high on this year in fantasy football? Let us know in the comments if you're watching live tonight on YouTube and Twitter, or if you're 
listening to the podcast, uh, send us a message. Let us know who you're uh, high on this fantasy football season. But uh, guys, it's time to take a quick break. Let's hit the mid-roll. And on the other side, we'll, uh, we'll we'll do a little Immaculate Grid. We did this on the last podcast. had a ton of fun. So we're going to bring back the Immaculate Grid. Mitch has got to do the top five. And then 10-round uh, mock draft, fantasy football mock draft uh, here on the podcast. Should be a lot of fun. So stick around, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Sports Hour with Mitch going down. We got a fun second half coming up for you. Going to play a little game, a little immaculate grid. Going to have a top five, and then we're going to get into our 10-round fantasy mock draft. Boys, are we ready to get this second half rolling? Yeah, let's go. I think so. All right. Let's jump right into it. Let's get into the Immaculate Grid. Dallin, you have one already to go. I do. Today's. I didn't even look at it today. I avoided looking at it because usually, you know, I wake up in the morning. I'm like getting ready. I'll drink my coffee and then I'll try to, you know, do the little Immaculate Grid. But I couldn't do it because we got to save it for today. So we're going to do an NFL Immaculate Grid. We did this last week on the podcast. And if you're not familiar uh, and this is the first time you're hearing about it, it's, uh, it's a little guessing game uh, where you're going to take uh, teams, uh, different teams and sometimes statistics. And you have to find a player that fits. Uh, either they played for two different teams or they played for a team and reached uh, a statistical milestone. Mitch and I did this on the podcast last week. We got eight out of nine it's pretty damn good. I feel like uh, we had some good picks there. Couldn't quite finish it out. So Jordan's joining us this week. And uh, does that mean we're getting all nine? No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> That's, you're supposed to instill confidence in us, Jordan. What is this? Hey, listen, if this if this were NBA, no problem, boys. <laughs> NFL, I don't know a single lineman's name or a single defensive player's <laughs> name. So we're we'll see. All righty. Well, let's uh, let's jump right into it. I'm going to read the grid for those that are not watching live and can't see this and you're listening along. I'll read it off for you. So uh, from the top, we've got the Los Angeles Chargers, the Miami Dolphins and a 1000 plus yard receiving season. And down the left hand side, horizontally, we have the Dallas Cowboys, Green Bay Packers and Detroit Lions. Mitch, where do you want to start on this? Do you want to pick one of these teams and then just go so- through? Let's start with the Lions and the thousand yard receiver. Okay. And just do Calvin Johnson. All Let's right. Get it do out we, of the way. Do we want to pick, do we want to try to think of a more rare name that was going to get a little less? Is like a Golden Tate? Like, could we go a Golden Tate? Are we feel um, confident he got a thousand yards in a season? Is there, or, or we, um, we could go Herman Moore? I mean, that might be Herman Moore. Yeah, I think the receiving ones are going to be easy enough where we should go for for the clout of the the difficult answer. A little more a little more off the beaten path. Yeah, right, right. So what do we think? Do we feel golden can we go golden tate? I feel 
I feel like he definitely had a thousand yard season, right? I don't, I don't know if he did. Maybe I feel like he should have, right? I kind of feel like he should have too. Okay. I don't want to get it wrong on the prize. Hey, hey, I'm outvoted two to one. If you guys want to do Golden Tate, you guys go Golden Tate. That's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. Let's come back. A lot of pressure after I just said I'm trash. Packers is easy. Packers. Packers is easy. So we we got the pick here, Jordan. Everybody's brain is going to go Jordy right away, right? Because he's like the most recent one that people will think of. What about a sneaky little Donald Driver? It's the other huge name, but he played so long ago that. If you want to go really old, Don Hudson. Also applies. Also applies. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure, Mo. You're right on that. Is it with a T? With a T. On Hudson? Yeah. Do we want to go it? I feel so much pressure right now. I, I know for a fact Donald Driver did it like seven times. Mitch, what's the call? I'm, I'm down to trust I'm, Mo. I'm, I'm almost positive on Don Hudson. I am also almost positive. Let's do Don Hudson. One we percent. go. One percenter, Mo. Hey. Wow. Look at you. Great Let's call. Go. Great call. Okay, Dallas Cowboys 1,000 receiving yards season. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of different names we could go here, but Roy Williams? Oh, that's a good one. I'm not – I don't feel 100% that he had the uh, on the 1,000 yards, but I do like the name. Um. Yeah. Which one is it though? Uh oh, is it Ron Williams two 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 thousand two to two thousand ten? Is it two thousand four to two thousand eleven? Two thousand two to two thousand eleven. That's not either of them. Well, wait, <laughs> so it's oh, not that. I can't see. <laughs> Thank you, Immaculate Grid. Appreciate that. I oh, think, 2004, um, 2010. Sorry. Uh, maybe we go different. Um... Hey, I have a I have a sneaky Lions one, guys. Oh, a Lions one? Okay, let's go. First of all, I'm like, I'm 99% Golden Tate is correct. But what if we go with sneaky Marvin Jones, who did it recently? I think it was like 2017, Ooh. but he could not mm. have done it more than that. Marvin Jones? I kind of like it. I'm like poor Kenny Galladay. Did Kenny Galladay Kenny have a Galladay yards? Did he hit 1,000 yards, though? I don't know if he hit 1,000 yards. He was huge for a season, yeah. though. I'm like pretty Marvin sure Jones. Marvin Jones got over a thousand. What do we say, Mo? How are we feeling? Marvin Jones? Can we I'm send cool it? with Marvin Jones. Yeah. Okay. Four percent. Four percent. Okay. All That's right. Great. That's a great. That pick. was that was terrifying. By the way, That's I was like, I'm pick. pretty sure I remember him doing it kind of recently, but also I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, Cowboys thousand yard season. Um, do we want to go risky or do we want to go something like a little more straightforward here? We got a one percent and a four percent. We could probably get away with a little bit more chalk here. Yeah. Like we could go TO. No, could. that's that's gonna be so easy. You think so? I don't know if Mo, I, I, I think the old ones cowboys. That's my thing, I, but I think on these people just go with the first name that pops into their head. And so the like old Steve guys Lamb. are sneaky. We could go Michael Irvin. What about um what about Jason Witten? Oh, 
That's a good one. I like that one a lot. That's a good one because it's just not don't go wide, wide receiver, receiver at all. A thousand yard. Yeah. Five. So sick. Let's Love go. That. We're three in and we've gotten a 1%, a 4% and a 5% so far. That is. If great. only it was Let's... just this boys, we'd be nasty. Yes. Now we got to do the ones we can't figure out. <laughs> yes, yes, that is true. Um, let's start with let's keep in the Packers because we got. Oh, Jordan I here. got, I got one, I got one, I got one. Okay, what do you got? Miami Dolphins, Detroit Lions, Scott Mitchell. Yes. Oh, it's so good. My colleague at KSL Sports, Scott Mitchell, who hosts our radio. Thirteen percent. That is a surprising number for Scott Mitchell. Thirteen. That's high. That's high. <laughs> Backed up Dan Marino. Miami was a three-year starter in Detroit with Herman Packers Moore. Chargers. Wow, that's great. Um, yeah. Let's let's try to think Packers Miami. Let's try to go Packers Miami right now since we're kind of in this Miami vein. Mark Brunell didn't play in Miami, did he? Dude, I don't think no, there's an. He was a Jacksonville. Jacksonville, that's it. Yeah. I don't know if there's like an offensive skill player that's played for both of these teams. Yeah. The I, of course, could be wrong. Don't leave Green Bay. That's the problem. Right, you know? exactly. Like, they stay there exactly. forever. So it's just a few years at the end of their career sort of thing. What about like yeah. a tight end? There's a lot of tight ends that have gone through Green Bay. Like a Mercedes Lewis. Randy I don't think he was Mc ever a Dolphin. Randy McMichael. I don't even know who that is. Randy McMichael was a tight end for the Dolphins. Okay. Yeah. Did so he played for the Packers. Did, do you think he? You don't know if he played for the Packers. I'm not 100. I have no sure. idea. Yeah. Um. These are these are tough teams to pair up with the Packers. Yeah. The Chargers and the Dolphins are not like common Packer trade partners. Who's the the middle linebacker right now for Green Bay that just had the big year last year? Devondre Campbell. Yes. Did he play for Miami? It sounds like a Miami name, but I cannot tell you authentically if he did. Doesn't it? I kind of feel like it, it does. Sounds, I... It sounds like a Miami name. Oh <laughs> uh, no! You know who I don't I'm think thinking? So, Randy no. McM I don't Randy think so. Randy McMichael played for the Chargers and the Dolphins. That's what it was. Um. Okay. Man, um. What about it? Is there a Green Bay Chargers one that sticks out to you, Jordan? Chargers. No. Both of these teams are tough. Both of these teams are tough. We got a yeah. tough draw this week, boys. Yeah. Chargers. Green Bay. Oh, you know what? Um. Let me think. Let me try to think. Uh, my BYU brain is going now, and I know Ty Detmer played for Green Bay, and I'm just trying to remember where else he ended up in his short Did he career. go to Miami? I don't know if he went to Miami. I think he went to, like, Philly at one point, and I don't remember where else Detmer ended up. Um, That is, yeah, backup quarterbacks. What about, like, a Brett Hundley? Did he end up in L.A.? I think he ended up. No, with the Brett Hundley is a Raven. He was. I know he ended up in Cleveland for a little bit. I think he might be with the Ravens uh, right now. You think he's with the Ravens now? Yeah, that sounds. That sounds right to me for some reason. Miami. I'm thinking of Miami and Dallas now. We have we've only gotten our thousand yard wide receiver seasons right now, and we've got Miami and Detroit. 
Uh, we still got quite a bit on the board. So if there's any of these guys that stick out to you that you feel confident in a player, let's go yeah. for it. Yeah. What about like, okay, the Packers, Chargers, boys. Cowboys, like a Sean Merriman. Did he play? Did he play for both of those? No. Oh, Chargers, oh. Chargers, right? Dallas and Miami, Zach Thomas. Zach Thomas? Okay. okay. Zach, Zach Thomas. Zach Thomas, Dallas and Miami. 1996-2008, Oh, Mitch coming in clutch. Mitch is Come on, man. carrying, as always. Um, um, <sighs> Miami and Green Bay. Jason Taylor didn't play in Green Bay, did he? No, no. Uh, I don't no. think so, at least. What about Cameron Wake? Not in Green Bay? I don't think so. Lions Chargers. Yeah, see, the problem here, boys, is my fantasy football brain just kicks in, and so all I can think of are skill position players. And yep. I'm like, yeah, there's none. Yep. There's none. So <laughs> Can't think of a defensive player, offensive lineman to <laughs> exactly. save our lives. We have exactly. four remaining folks. If you guys are listening or following along, we need... Uh, Dro- drop Packer them in the comments. I won't look, I promise. We need... Uh, Los Angeles Chargers, we're going to look for a lot. We need a Charger and a Cowboy, a Charger and a Packer, and a Charger and a Lion. Maybe we should try to stick in that. Like, think of Chargers, um, because we got three teams we've got to pair those up with. So, yeah. What about Chargers? What about, what about, do we remember any Chargers wide receivers from like the LT, Phillip Rivers era? What about Keenan McCardell? Yes. Don't remember where he played at all. Was he L.A. and Dallas? I don't even know. what Is he a wide receiver? He was a wide receiver. Yeah. <laughs> Keenan McCart. That's sticking out to me. Where did... Uh, oh, Jared Cook. Didn't Jared Cook play for the Packers? He yep. did. Yep. Jared Cook. Yeah, Jared Cook would have been a yep. Packer Charger. Yep. 14%. Good one. Oh, wow. You Good know, one. for as much Good as pull. we struggled, and again, we have three left. We have gotten at most a 20%er on Zach Thomas. That that is we're Jared Cook rare. feels I we we should have gotten that one sooner. Yeah. That feels yeah. a little yeah, no. dumb of us. It's it's uh it's hard to think all the time. You know, there's a lot of stuff going <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on here. <laughs> just I'm just staring at a white page with a couple green squares. <laughs> funny. The brain just stops thinking <laughs> immediately. Uh yeah, so we need Chargers, Cowboys, Chargers, Lions, Dolphins, Packers. And we are Chargers, relying on Lions, Jordan for this like Packers one. one because he is the Packers fan. So uh, you ain't on, we ain't getting it, boys. Yeah, <laughs> we need a, we need we need some sort of contribution. Uh no, I'm just kidding. Um <sighs> Three left here. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel was a backup for the Chargers. Did he back up in Detroit or Dallas? I don't feel like. I don't think he was a lion. I don't feel like Dallas. I almost kind of felt like Detroit. Maybe there's a lot of random backups. I'm trying to think of like backup quarterbacks in L.A. Like you know. Like a Scott Tolzien, he had to play for like Dallas <laughs> oh, and he the LA, right? Everybody. He played uh, for Dallas. I know that for sure. Oh, 
Dallas. You play, play for LA. What's up? <laughs> Ryan Leaf. Ryan Leaf. For Dallas and LA. Really? Ryan Leaf. I think Ryan Leaf was a backup in L was a backup in Dallas. Was he? Started in San Diego, backup in Dallas. Do we feel good about it? You want to go for it? I feel pretty confident. I, I, oh, I don't know. Hey, I don't listen, know. I'm not. I Mo is I the sport good. historian. Who am I to argue with okay, him? We're going for it, Mitch. Nailed How? It. How? Nailed it. How? Thirty-seven percent on Ryan Leaf. We got two left, Holy folks. We smokes. are immaculate. Mitch, what? What did your brain dispose of for you to keep all of this information? We started talking about I, I, uh, everything uh, common sense, <laughs> um, like normal life skills. It, High school just, geometry instantaneously gone. Yeah, we got to remember gone. 2001 Dallas Cowboys backup <laughs> quarterbacks. Okay, so two remain. Chargers, Lions, Dolphins. This Packers, Packers. one is like an offensive lineman. The, I know it. The Packers-Dolphins one is going to be tough. Yeah. Um, Bakhtiari's been there his entire career, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's not um, Bakhtiari. It's going to be a lineman, and it's not a current lineman, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> Lions Chargers, guys. I feel like there's an obvious one for some yeah. reason. Like those two yeah. teams just seem. Lions and Chargers. This is killing me. This is killing me. <laughs> just, yeah. There's I... a name. There's, okay, I'm trying to think of skill position player names for Miami that might have left. Yeah. Tyreek Hill. <laughs> The problem no, with Green I'm, Bay I'm thinking, is that their I'm skill thinking, positions are so like they don't they go just, anywhere. Yeah, those guys just stayed there for so long. So like that's why I'm saying it's either it's so like, got to be like a defensive back or an offensive lineman. Well, no, like so I'm thinking like Mark Clayton, who is a Dolphin wide receiver, uh-huh. maybe had a year at the end of his career with the Packers. Mark Jordan, Clayton. do you remember any Green Bay Packers backup quarterbacks over the years that sat behind Favre? There, there haven't been many. Like the in the same with the skill positions, it's like the ones outside of Brent Hundley, mm-hmm. the backups are who you know from like far forward. Outside of third stringers, in which case I have no idea. Right, right. Yeah. All right, boys, we got to do something here. We got two guesses left. We got to throw something out there for the folks. We have anything that feels something familiar, any just inkling, just a just an itch that says I try this. I'm not even 100 percent sure. I think we go Mark Clayton, Dolphins, Packers. I'm down to to try it. Okay, I'm not even 100 percent confident. It's just it's. But that's like sticking. 1983, out, 1993, Mark Clayton. Is that the right one? Yeah. Okay. Eight no shot. Mitch, no shot. Mitch How? How? 8%. All right, okay, Mitch, boys, listen. I I have a one. complete I have a complete and total guess for this last square. So if okay. we don't get anything else, this might be worth a shot. I know he was the backup for the Chargers. 
I don't know if he played for the Lions. Justin Jackson might be a decent guess. Oh, but I have no idea if he was ever a lion for some reason that name just like is for some reason, like sounds kind of right. What about nothing else? Guess that Dan Orlovsky. Oh, did, did he play? No, or or Curtis painter. I don't know about painter. I have no idea on painter. If it were Dan Orlovsky, I feel like we would have come to that sooner. I just don't remember where else he played. That's I don't either. With Orlovsky. I don't either. Somebody call ESPN. <laughs> Put me on the phone with Dan. Where'd you play? <laughs> I need okay, Dan. So we've stat. got Chargers Lions is the final one. Jordan, I'm what was feel- the name that you mentioned? Justin Jackson, the backup Justin running Jackson. back for the Chargers, not that long ago. I'm. F- and again, that's a total. I have no yeah. idea if he was ever a lion. And Mitch, what was the what was the one we just talked about? I was doing Orlovsky or Orlovsky. Curtis or Curtis Painter. I think Curtis Painter might be the more obvious one. Yes, yeah, I don't even know. Honestly, I have no idea who that human yeah. is. And he put four Curtis Painter was a, he was a backup when Andrew Luck was there. Actually, when Peyton Manning went down with the neck injury, Luck, we're not looking for Luck. the Colts. We're looking for the Chargers and the Lions. No, I think he played for both. For the Colts, the Chargers, and the Lions? I think so. Okay. But, like I said, Orlovsky is probably the better bet. He had the longer career. We do know he played for... He did play 10 years. Do we feel okay sending it on this final one on Dan Orlovsky for Detroit Lions, Los Angeles Chargers? We're sending it no matter what guess we put in. Yes, yes. Is there any other names that feel better for Lions Chargers? Like, I like this backup quarterback, you know. Idea. I almost like a stab on, like, a 70s guy like John Hadel. But, like, <laughs> I don't think that's it. <laughs> I don't think that would matter. Yeah. Send it All on right. love. Let's do it. We're sending it. Dan Orlovsky. Oh. Nope. Nope, there it goes. Hey, uh, in the comments right now, if you're watching live, go Google for me if Justin Jackson was ever a lion and drop it in the comments. I need to know. It's gonna bother me. I'm I'm I gotta look I'm looking it up right now. I'm looking Jordan up John Hayden. Right no, have no reason to think he was outside of like just pure. Oh my feel. goodness. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Jordan. No, it wasn't. He oh, was no. a Charger from 2018 to 2021 and a Detroit right. Lion in 2022. No oh, way, dude. Oh, my God. Justin Jordan. He, he was he a he was the, a Lion last season? He had the guess. He knew it, and we didn't trust him. Wow. Dude, wow, that, wow, was, wow. that was purely like I scrolled yeah. through Sleeper one time and saw his yeah. name with the Lions or something. That's, that's crazy. Incredible. Yeah. That I, is uh, that's correct. Uh, and that John Hadle, we would have been had correct on Chargers, um, Packers. I cannot believe that just happened. He was wow. a Packer okay. for next eight out of nine <laughs> wow. on the Immaculate Grid yet again. Mitch, Ugh. we come up short on the last guess, just like we did last I'm time. I'm disappointed Jordan, on my. I'm disappointed. Disappointed myself. Gr- thanks for the contributions. We should have trusted you. We should have. That was like, dude, gone with it. 
Justin Jackson with the Lions was like a flavored LaCroix where it like doesn't <laughs> taste like what it's supposed to taste like. It tastes like it was in the room where it was made. And then it's like, it's strawberry. That was Justin Jackson in the Lions for me. It's like, it just feels kind of right for wow. no reason. Love it. Wow. A- a- <sighs> this, the Immaculate Grid has been fun. It is a test. And uh, and guys, if you haven't tried it out, you could try it at ImmaculateGrid.com. But uh, <laughs> yeah. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. If you had any names that you were just screaming at us to pick, uh, please let us know in the comments uh, any uh, obvious ones we missed or uh, anything like that. But uh, yeah, w- well done, guys. That that was pretty damn good. And we got some really rare names up there as well. So uh, you love to see it. You love to see it. All righty. Mitch, uh, I think it's time for the top five. Oh, boy. Yeah, this is a. Uh... We've been doing our quarterback series, our quarterback by the decades series in the top five. And I'll tell you what, this is a good one. This is a really good one. Um, We've been talking about the seventies, which were far out. We've been talking about the eighties, which were bitching, but we're going to talk about the nineties right now. And there are, and we talked about the nineties, excuse me, but it's time to move into the new millennium, the birth of the new quarterback. And on this week's edition of Mitch Moe's top five list of the week, we're going to be doing the best quarterbacks of the two thousands. Do you feel like this list was any harder knowing that this is the era that you truly grew up in as a football fan, the one that you probably have the most information and knowledge on and just a personal like firsthand view and experience on. Did that make it any easy harder or did it make it easier? It made it harder by about 575, no, 576%. <laughs> okay. Um, Look, it, it's just it was such a good era for quarterbacks. And like I said, when we when we started with the 60s, right, we didn't grow up watching 60s, 70s, 80s quarterbacks. Right. And we saw the tail end of really the 90s quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. The 2000s quarterbacks, that was the first era where we saw their entire careers. And so it it became a lot harder to kind of cipher through what we were going to have on, you know, who was making the top five, who was making audible mention. Um, but I feel pretty confident with what I got. I feel pretty confident yep. with what I got. And I, and quite honestly, I feel like they're in the right order. I do feel like they're in the right order. So um, okay. let's start off with the honorable mentions, Michael Vick, Kurt Warner, Ben Roethlisberger, Jeff Garcia, Carson Palmer and Brett Favre. And the reason Brett Favre, how dare you? I know Jeff Garcia not making the top five is ridiculous. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That was the first Jersey I ever owned a Niners. Jeff Garcia Jersey. Thank you. (laughs) Look, Jeff Garcia was a great, like sign him two weeks before the season starts. And then he puts together like a 12 and four season for you. He was a great quarterback. Um, I know where you're mentioning Jordan, Brett Favre, Brett Favre's. I'm joking. Greatest, he's not top five, but he, his greatest success came in the nineties, right? Like that was where his greatest success came from. And so I do have to shout him out in the honorable mentions, but he's 
not making the top five for the 2000s. Uh, as much as I am a Brett Favre guy, I mean, Brett Favre might be one of, as a Bears fan, he might even be one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time. Um, hey, he threw you the most interceptions you guys ever saw. So, <laughs> yeah, he made us look pretty good. And uh, <laughs> I've never had a quarterback to brag about. So, <laughs> Sid Luckman, 1948. That's the last guy. That's the last guy. Um, let's get into the top five, though. Top Starting at number five, Dallin, we're going with the late, great Steve McNair. Mm. Steve McNair is making the top five here. Um, a 62 and 42 record throughout the 90s, um, 62% completion percentage, uh, 124 touchdowns to 183 interceptions. He had that great run with the Titans in the early 2000s, almost knocking off the greatest show on turf, St. Louis Rams. Um, look, the, the, the guy's situation was um, full of glory and full of tragedy, right? You know, he was un- involved in a very unfortunate situation that cut his life short. I think that had he been playing longer, we would be talking about him in the top three of of the 2000s. I think that this guy really was a special talent coming out of Alcorn State. The running ability, the ability to play, make, and create on the run. Uh, Steve McNair was really, truly a special talent, and so he's going to get the number five nod on my list. Yeah, a bit of a surprising pick. And uh, yeah, I did notice you left off Big Ben. And as someone who doesn't like Big Ben that much, I love that Steve McNair gets in over him. So I am <laughs> on board with this pick. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, and Big Ben won two Super Bowls in the 90s, in the yeah. 2000s. So yeah. I have to get off the 90s. I'm still stuck in the 90s. So won two touchdowns, or two Super Bowls in the in the uh, 2000s. But um the, the longevity of success wasn't there for him. So um, moving on to number four on the list. Number four, we're going to Donovan McNabb. Donovan McNabb, the product out of Syracuse. 208 touchdowns, 93 interceptions, a 90-45-1 career record throughout the 90s. Um, surprisingly, completed under 60% of his passes. Only 59.5%. Um, over 31,000, almost 32,000 yards passing, excuse me. Um, but the guy kind of was the first introduction to the him and Steve McNair kind of at the same time, were kind of that introduction into the new age quarterback with the ability to use the legs and, and create on the run kind of making way for guys like Russell Wilson Um, and what I assume would be Bryce Young, the guys that can create with their legs and create with their arm at the same time, but also have the ability to tuck and run at the same time. Um, Donovan McNabb was part of that movement, and that's why he gets number four on the list. Cover athlete on the first football video game I ever played, Madden 06, baby. Wow. There you go. There you go. I love that. That's a a great pick because he had a great career and went to the Super Bowl, went to like what they went to three straight NFC championship games. The Eagles yep. did. So, yeah. I mean, very, a lot of success didn't get the Super Bowl rings. So we don't think about him amongst those other names, but went to, it went it. to a Super Bowl in Oh five, I believe. And they played the Patriots during their yep. run. Yeah. And then um, he got the cover in Oh six. Yep. Yep. They, he sure did. Uh, number three on the list. I'm going to go with Drew Brees. Hmm. Drew Brees is going to be there, uh, 68 and 53. So maybe the winning percentage isn't quite there what it would be with the other quarterbacks. 
Um, but the raw numbers are there: two hundred and two touchdowns, one hundred and ten interceptions, uh, almost uh, over, th- almost thirty one hundred, thirty one thousand passing yards, completing sixty almost sixty five percent of his passes. Um, it's very clear that his best years came when he went to New Orleans. Right, he had some good years in San Diego, but once they drafted Philip Rivers, he gets moves to New Orleans. Uh, he brings that first Super Bowl title to the city. Um, this was post Hurricane Katrina. Uh, the impact that he had on that city and that culture um, uh, parlayed with his fantastic play and his sustained success. Drew Brees has to be one of the best quarterbacks of the 2000s, and that's why he lands on number three on the list. Yeah, love that, and the fact that like. He's number three, and the 2010s statistically are like a better, better. decade for him. So, yep. like, I, yep. he did win the Super Bowl in the 2000s, but I mean, yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, no, no spoiler, but you know, yeah. well, <laughs> that that list will come in a couple of weeks. But um, number two on the list, and down this is where the controversy starts. Oh, I get nervous actually talking about this. Uh, number two on the list is going to be Tom Brady. Oh, I love this. I love this. <laughs> because you're I was right, Mitch. You're right. Let's hear wow. it. Let's hear why he's number wow. two. Um, number two on the list, Tom Brady. 97 and 30 record. 225 touchdowns. 99 interceptions. Almost 31,000 31, passing yards. Um, he's got all the accolades in the world. He does. He has all the accolades in the world with the big Super Bowl victories, Super Bowl 31, Super Bowl, oh no, sorry, Super Bowl 36, Super Bowl 38. Um the tuck rule game, he has the big moments. He wasn't the most successful and the most polarizing player of his era while having the success. He just wasn't. There was one player above him that personified the quarterback of the 2000s. Tom Brady wasn't that guy. He might be it for the 2010s. And no doubt in my mind, Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. He's not the greatest of the 2000s. 100%. This is the 100% correct take because his better decade was the 2010s anyways. He won more in the 2000s. Statistically, Brady, as a quarterback, as a player, he was much better in the 2010s than he was in the 2000s. So this is the correct take. The accolades, the success he has, he's undoubtedly got to be in the top three, probably top two. But there is a player that was a better quarterback and more representative of the decade. You are absolutely right, Mitch. Thank you. Thank you. Peek behind the curtain here. Uh, Pre-show, Dallin leaves the room for a half a second, and Mo goes, hey, man, I got to do something, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. (laughs) I'm like, you have to. It's the right right take. And so, Dallin, I'm I'm so glad that you're on board here. (laughs) You were scared. You were afraid. I had, I know where my, and that's, and this is where my heart was. This yeah. is where my heart was. Mm. My head was telling me something different. Jordan absolutely talked me into follow your heart. Love it. And do the right thing and put Peyton Manning as number one for the yes. decade. Yep. Yeah. Which yes. he is. Him. 115 and 45. 115 and 45. Possibly the most successful. Put the Indianapolis Colts as the most successful franchise throughout the 2000s, regardless of the Super Bowl wins. 
right? They are the most successful franchise in football throughout the 2000s. 115 and 45, over 42,000 passing yards, 314 touchdowns, 138 interceptions. Numbers, numbies, numbies, numbies for Peyton Manning. And by the way, he was partnered up with Marvin Harrison, which might be the greatest quarterback wide receiver duo in NFL history. They rival Montana Rice, right? And they might even be better. They might even be better. You'd have to really talk about it and dig deep into it. But Peyton Manning, he was also a four-time MVP during the decade. Um, just, I mean, I'm so glad we're all on the same page here because I was <laughs> so prepared to go to battle, but I didn't want to, I'm, I was, I didn't want to, but I was prepared to go to battle, but Peyton Manning is by far, not even by far, but you know, more, he is better than Peyton Manning was in the two thousands. And that's why he gets the nod for number one. I love that. Mitch had the armor ready. He was like, I got the, yeah. I got the defenses set. The turrets yeah. are locked. I got to, I'm ready to defend myself. And, uh, you didn't even have to, my friend, we're all good. Uh, I'm oh, yeah, good. Th- th- this I'm is so the glad. correct take. It's just simple as Dude, that. And, I and love it. Shout out, shout out to Peyton Manning doing for kids. What Kobe did for kids when in classrooms, we shoot waste into the wastebasket and we say, Kobe, anytime I throw a football and I can't throw a spiral, I just go, Hey, listen, Peyton Manning did all that while not being able to throw a spiral. So shout Peyton out Manning, to him. Peyton Manning threw an ugly ball. It was it was <laughs> ugly. It but was you bad. know what? It went where it needed to go every single time. Yeah, what was the quote? Time. I may throw a lot of ducks, but I throw a lot of ducks for touchdowns. Like that's that's <laughs> Peyton Manning, man. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, that's a, a, a great top five yet again. Best quarterbacks of the 2000s. Mitch, run through the list one more time for the folks. Number five is going to be Steve McNair. Number four, Donovan McNabb. Number three, Drew Brees. Number two, Tom Brady. And number one, Peyton freaking Manning. There you go. Before there... you get angry and you don't hear Tom Brady at the top and you think, what's going on? Just hear Mitch out. Hear the argument. He's got a compelling case for why Peyton Manning is the best quarterback of that decade. Were there any that I didn't mention the honorable mentions that you guys would have wanted to hear? Because there were some that I no. left out. Yeah, I mean, Big Ben was the name that yeah. surprised me yeah. most, I guess, to hear in the honorable mentions, knowing he wasn't going to be in the top five. But again, as I already stated, like I'm cool with Steve McNair and McNabb well, like, over him I, for I sure. Some, so I left some like Super Bowl appearances out. So like I left Matt Hasselbeck out. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah, subject of a great team and a great run game, right? Sean Alexander was the great mm-hmm. one. Dante mm-hmm. Culpepper was another one that I left yeah, out. I love yeah. Culpepper. He, um, was, he was so much hype, though. He never. I left up. a super. I left a Super Bowl winner out of my honorable mentions. Brad Johnson. Who yeah, won, see, all of these bucks, guys, but all of these guys had moments, right? Like really, really high moments, but the longevity thing you're talking about, it's just why yeah. would they ever come up when you're talking yeah. about an entire decade? And that was, that was my thought behind this list was like, why, like, where do they fit in this? And they don't, they just don't even the, yep. even the guys in the honorable mentions fit with longevity, uh, except I guess, uh, 
except for Mike Vick because he went to jail. But you know, it's like <laughs> he didn't have he had to come he back too in the twenty tens. Yeah. But you know, yeah, <laughs> a couple of years. But no, I think I think you nailed it, uh, Mitch. Great top five as always. Best quarterbacks of the two thousands, and uh, yeah, the next time we hear it will be the final uh, version of this summer series that you've been busting out for us. That's so uh... you think. Oh. So you think, and Dylan, oh, oh. I, I would like to invite you and Jordan onto this as doing our top five quarterbacks of the future. Wow. Oh. Okay. So we're going to do our 2010s. We're early in the 2020s. It's hard to do anything then. I want to finish this series off with our top five quarterbacks of the future. I like that. So I, cool. I wanted th- to cool. announce that now so we can have some anticipation towards it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. There you go. All right. So, yeah. Okay. We've got a couple of uh, Mitch's top fives left in our preview before the season starts. And uh, we'll look forward to that. The 2010s will be a tough one next uh, next time. So we'll uh, we'll look forward to what you do there, Mitch. All right. Yeah. Excited to do it. Okay, uh, time to uh, wrap up, culminate the podcast with uh, the the big the big meat today, the ten round mock draft. Mitch and I have done a mock draft, I think, like uh, for the last four years. Every time we've done a little fantasy football preview, and I believe we've had Jordan on at least once to do one of these with us. The, in the first past, one, so. the first one. That's, we did. that's right, <laughs> the very first one. And this time we'll get to do it with a little uh, help from the video screen, which is fun. First time on the live stream, so we can actually get uh, a view of it. So if you're listening along, uh, you will have to just listen. Uh, but come over to YouTube right now, youtube.com slash sports hour guys. And you can actually watch this mock draft live and see the names as they pop up. But we're going to do a little 10 round mock uh, set up here is just a uh, pretty straightforward PPR, you know, league one quarterback, two flex. Uh, we are all drafting at our positions in our actual uh, redraft league that will be taking place in the next probably couple of weeks, depending on when we nail it down. So a little practice for us uh, where we're going to be looking at, though our league is set up a little different uh, than this one. But uh, it's always a fun exercise to see what names pop up and sort of workshop ideas of players in the range that you like, strategies to go through. And that's uh, how we'll approach this today on the mock draft. So uh, anything else before we jump in, guys? Let's go. Let's do it. Let's get into it. All righty. Well, sound effects. I know I turned it off. I don't want that every time. Sorry. <laughs> Unless you like it. I'll keep it on for you, Mitch. No, no, that was that's a that's a that's a nice touch. That's a nice touch. Um, I got the number two pick overall. Um, and really when I look at this, is running back is the that's the premier position you have to lock down, right? Because there's a there's a very shallow um top tier. And then it kind of falls off very quickly after maybe the top six or seven guys, Um, especially being at the number two pick uh, where you have to wait to come around for the next, was that 14 picks for for you to actually be a part of this uh, draft. So I'm going to be looking at running back here and it's tough not to just take the chalk guy. And I think that Christian McCaffrey is the right pick here. Yeah. Um, Now we did have Justin Jefferson go at the 101 overall in this situation, which I think he's probably the top position player on the board. 
Uh, let's say, though, Mitch, you are in that position at the 101. Do you consider Justin Jefferson at all? If you're at the 101, would you still go McCaffrey with the value of running back and, and sort of how that position looks like this year? I think that's tough because Justin Jefferson is uh, he's so good. He's so good. And it, it, it's 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 really hard to I have a hard time picking a wide receiver at 101. Maybe Jordan, you have a different uh take on this, but I still feel like I would go the running back here because yep. this the fall off the fall off is much steeper at the running back position waiting that long than it is at the wide receiver position. So I think I still would go running back. Yeah, running back is is scarcer this year even than it's been in previous years. It feels like with injuries and guys that we know to be pillars of the position previously, straight up not having jobs. Uh, but even with that, Mo, I think Justin Jefferson has separated himself so far from the rest of the pack that he's my personal 101. Um, but I have no issue if you wanted to take Christian McCaffrey first in your draft if you wanted to do that. But it would be Jefferson for me. Yeah, mm. I I think that's fair. I'm I'm I, I would not envy someone having to make that decision. I guess because I no, I mean I guess there, there's no wrong ways to go with either of those players, but that is really tough for me. There, I think you could go. You can't really go wrong with either of those picks. But uh, Jordan, you're up now at the fifth pick. Yeah, I'm at 105, and I was fully prepared to have a long conversation where I deliberated between Travis Kelsey and Cooper Cup because in your drafts, that's probably what you're going to have to do at this position. And so I will quickly say, uh, I previously in my fantasy football career have always been a punt the tight end position kind of guy um, just because I didn't think the, the value of tight end early was worth taking them as early as you needed to. This year, I think it's different. The the separation at the tight end position between Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews, who is the the second best tight end in football, is like 30 dudes. So if I had Travis Kelsey here at 105, I would have taken him here. But I also have Jamar Chase just gift wrap for me at 105. And so I have nothing to think about. I'm taking Jamar Chase. Yeah. I like that. And I think Kelsey is really interesting because I'm I'm right there with you, Jordan. It, traditionally, I am like, I don't really care about tight end, but this year, Kelsey specifically in the first round, I would feel very comfortable, especially with the running back situation. And you're comparing him to the wide receivers around that range. He's basically a wide receiver one. Don't think exactly. about him as a tight end. Think about him as your top flex. And like, that's it, you know, because that's the kind of numbers he's putting up. He's putting up, uh, you know, top flex kind of numbers. So, yeah, uh, I like hey, shout pick. out real quick, boys. Michael in the comments. Yo, Michael, do you have a player in your league that drafts a quarterback early? If so, Kelsey might get there to you at seven. Otherwise, I don't know, buddy. That might be late. Yeah, it's a great question. Michael asked, for those listening, I have the seventh pick in a 12-man league. I really want Kelsey. Do you think he can fall? Uh, yeah, I mean, depends on if quarterbacks are high. If you if you play a super flex, quarterbacks are going to get bumped up. That might help. Um you know, and latest that, I see him falling is six because you, you're yeah. going to have exactly the way it went here, right? There's going to be Jefferson, McCaffrey, Eckler, Jamar Chase, probably Cooper Cup at five ish range. And then you never know. Guys do crazier things taking somebody else there. So maybe it's seven. It's not unheard of. But like six is right about as late as I see him going. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. All right. I'm up with the uh, 108. Uh, again, Jordan took Jamar Chase at the 105. Got another running back and wide receiver off the board for me here. Uh, you know, this guy has fallen a bit, and I think 
he's a less sexy pick than he has been in years past because of the down year. But I'm going to go Cooper Cup here because I think he's just poised for another really solid season. And the injuries and everything with the Rams just went so terribly last year that I understand people being hesitant to jump right back in on Cooper Cup. But at this point, right, I'm getting him as wide receiver four behind Jefferson Chase and Tyree Kill at the 108. I feel very comfortable with Cup. The numbers are going to be there for him to be a very solid wide receiver one. And I don't like the running back options. So that one seems pretty easy for me. Yeah, I think that Cup is a is a solid pick here. And when you talk about people being skeptical on go, skeptical on going back in on Cup, I'm in a dynasty league right now where we're going to have a supplemental draft, and because of abandoned teams, and I got the number one overall pick in that supplemental draft. You, Cooper Cup is one of the available guys. You bet your ass I'm going after Cooper Cup. Yeah, you bet your ass I'm taking that guy because he is just so. Uh, he, what he contributes to that offense is so important. And I think that he's going to be continue to be a target monster in that offense. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right. I'm back up in the second round here at the two Oh three got wide receiver on the board. Typically, you know, I like to walk away with a running back in the first two rounds. If the value is there um, just because with the running back position, wide receiver so deep, you can get talent so late that I'm cool with waiting a little bit. The first quarterback's technically up here with Patrick Mahomes at 13, uh, although, and you guys can weigh in here, your thoughts on quarterback, but despite as, as good as Mahomes, Allen, all that is, uh, in a one quarterback league, I'm, I'm not taking that in the second, probably even third round. Fourth round would probably be the earliest I'd consider quarterback. Yeah, what one quarterback leagues, I'm definitely punting. Uh, there's enough value lower down the board at quarterback that you can make up points and really not be that far behind guys like Patrick Mahomes is obviously going to put up way more points than your middle tier guys. But with the rest of your roster construction being better for punting, you're not going to lose that many points overall for punting kind of for a middle, middle tier, middle round kind of guy. Mitch, are you the same way? I don't know. Well, at this position, I might go double up on running back and then take the quarterback here, you know, like, Oh yeah. Coming around in the third round, you're saying, yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, at the position I'm at, I don't know if I'm feeling that way, but where you're at, um, I would go ahead and just lock down the wide receivers or, or uh, one of the running backs. Cause you're still going to get a top five running back at this point. Yeah. Um, with, with only four taken off the board. Yeah. Quarterback's a little rich here. I'm going to go Nick Chubb. He's on the board for me. Four guys off the board at running back. So he is the fifth running back on the board. And I feel very, very good getting Chubb and Cooper Cup. I feel very good about that at 108, actually. So, yeah, totally. I'm in a little bit of a weird spot here. Um, there's, there's Jonathan Taylor, who obviously has his very weird injury situation where he's obviously hurt, but according to him, he's not. Uh, there's Derek Henry, who's obviously an absolute house. Uh, and then there's Josh Jacobs down here, who I actually like Josh Jacobs a lot this year at the running back position. But in order to take him, that means I'm passing up my guy in Devonte Adams. Mm. So what I'm considering here is nothing. I'm taking Josh Jacobs at the running back position, and I'm going to cry one single tear when I see Devonte <laughs> Adams go to team four right after me. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. I like I like the okay. getting the the running back and the wide receiver in the first two rounds. You know you got a top a, a running back one or a wide receiver one secured, and you don't have to sweat that depending on how the board comes back to you. So 
I like right? Because running running back dries up really fast right here. Like yes. there's not a whole lot. Like you're look you're looking at like Ramondre Stevenson basically is your next yeah. best option from here. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why I'm I'm starting to look at um start look I I have to take running back here. I have to this is a tough spot to be in because if all the wide receivers go in this scenario, you're you're stuck. You have to take the two RBs and just hope that you can piece together a wide receiver core that's going to be good enough for you down the long haul. Um and then hope that one of those quarterbacks there on you know, is there for you on the turn. Um God, this is a tough one. You've got Christian McCaffrey so far. Mitch had the 102. So you'll get sort of not exactly back-to-back picks, but obviously pretty close here. We'll get to double up. Yeah, and... Mitch, I will say this worked out beautifully for what you were just talking about doing and going double running back into elite quarterback. You got to take a risk on Jonathan Taylor, but... I mean, it, I mean, it's a mock. It's an exercise. We could see how it plays out for you yeah. if you were able to, you know, go that route. Yeah, you know what? Let's take him. Let's take him now. Okay. Let's just take Jonathan Taylor. Um, and the guy that I was hoping that was there is there. So let's go Jalen Hurts yep. at at the you know at the three hundred two. Um, the Jonathan Taylor thing is obviously assuming that he is going to be ready to go and playing for the majority of the season, and that he doesn't have that. Right huge fall off that he had last year. Um, And so when I compare up McCaffrey and Taylor at the running backs and Jalen hurts as my quarterback, basically I have three running back, you know, three running backs and a quarterback all at the same time there. Yeah. And that's a really great feeling. So I, I, I feel good about that turn there. Yeah. This is working out perfectly for me too, because I get to put my money where my mouth is from earlier in the show and take this year's wide receiver three in Chris Alave, which I obviously love. So we'll make that real quick. You got your wide receiver two in Jamar chase and your wide receiver three in Chris Alave. Look at that. See, this is what I'm saying down. Look at that. (laughs) It's worked out perfectly. Uh, (laughs) So chase Jacobs Alave for Jordan. So far two wide receivers in the running back. I'm back up. On the clock with Cooper Cup and Nick Chubb already secured. I do oh, want to man. shout out Michael for saying uh, James Conner, a great pick at the four or five round. So yes, sneaky kind uh, of what I'm looking at. Yeah, we'll maybe, see when he comes uh, up. We, hang, we were all pretty Michael, high on we'll him on the sleeper. So, you know, we'll see who gets him, I guess. huh? Uh, I am up. I want to get a running back because, again, running back is so thin and wide receiver is so deep that I feel like it's easy to grab wide receivers later and still feel really good about it. So Ramondre mm-hmm. Stevenson, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, that's sort of the range here. I am not going to lie. I'm not a big Ramondre Stevenson believer. I'm, I'm not, not at all. I'm actually absolutely out on it. I'm going to go Najee Harris here, which doesn't feel great. It's not sexy, but I think he's going to get Ridley. enough work play to be just a solid why uh running back two for me so yeah and then i'm back yeah. up calvin ridley just went off the board that's that's crazy that's, a that's earlier early. than i thought yeah sleeper that's... is as high as you are on him buddy yeah i know <laughs> yeah. i mean i love it obviously but i'm surprised to see the bot take him that early yeah that's the 402 that's that's where he was drift drafted i'm up at the 403 i've got my two running backs secured i've got one wide receiver now i'm just going for like value here joe burrow mm-hmm. lamar jackson they're there if i wanted to go quarterback i don't think this is a bad spot to secure a top five guy in the fourth round again that's where i said i would start considering taking somebody 
Uh, I'm going to go Devontae Smith here, though. He's top player on the board. I like him over DK Metcalf. I think yep. uh, he's got maybe more of a clearly defined role and, and access to big target numbers. So I like Devontae Smith. Yeah, so so here at the 406, I guess this is for me now, There there is an interesting thing to consider because I'm looking at a team where I have Jamar Chase, Chris Olave, and Josh Jacobs. And I am in a good, solid enough spot where Lamar Jackson is sitting here, and that could make a whole lot of sense. That I would not yeah. knock you at all for going that way. And the guy I actually want is going to be a little bit of a reach, to be honest with you, but I do want to build that really solid two wide receiver, two running back start. And again, put my money where my mouth is. I'm taking Aaron Jones right here. I like it. I don't think that's too far off. I mean, the thing with reaches, and I'm sure you guys will agree here, when it's a guy that you like, if you believe in it, if you want him, go get him. If it's around you early, need, don't sweat yep. it. Don't sweat yep. it. It's fantasy football. You're out there to enjoy it. You're out there to get the players you want. If you want a guy, go get him. You know, yep. uh, believe if in you're that reaching, pick. be okay with being wrong. As long as yep. you're okay with being wrong, you get to have all the glory when you're right. Exactly. Well said. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I, I think with right now with uh, me being at the, what was it the 409? Um, with basically the top two tight ends, punt, punt the position like Jordan has talked about in the past, or, or Jordan just talked about a couple minutes ago, um, and focus on the other skill positions, come back and get a tight end later. Um, I don't have a wide receiver yet. I think I could still get a wide receiver one at this spot. And so I'm going to go with a guy that's got a lot of diversity to him. I think the guy that can catch the football run the football exceptionally well. I'm going to go Debo Samuel at mm, the 409. Yeah. Mitch and just keeps drafting running backs. It's crazy. I, you've got four running backs on your roster. That's all I see. <laughs> it's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Tons of running backs, but okay. Let me take my first two. Let me take my first true wide receiver here. Oh, and I'm going to go with Amari Cooper. There wow. You go. And there we just go. talked about Amari. And this is, I like this <laughs> what is happening right now. You, you waited on wide receiver, right? And you got your first two wide receivers around four and five and your top two wideouts are Debo Samuel and Amari Cooper. I mean, you are there. There's no problems there. You're feeling great about your deep. wide receiver situation. And you were able to secure two running backs and a quarterback already. So I, that wide receivers are just so deep. And there's really, I mean, all the guys, the sleepers we talked about, we're all in those late teens, 16, 17, you know, that range. There's guys in that range you can get that could be a solid wide receiver one for you this year that you don't have to sweat as much. So I think that's a really smart strategy there as far as the draft goes. And I think it's worked out really well for you so far. Yeah, so far, so good. Well, yeah, we'll see how it goes from six to 10. But <laughs> so uh Sitting here with my next pick, uh, 505, we have a guy who has slipped about 20 picks behind his ADP, and I'm in a position where now I wouldn't necessarily look to take a quarterback, but I have Lamar Jackson still sitting here, boys, mm, yeah, and I yeah. would label myself a fool if I did <laughs> not take that value. I'm going to take Lamar Jackson here with my fifth pick. Yeah, that's if you weren't going to do it, I would have done it. So I think that's, uh, yeah, when he, when he falls to you like that, you got to take him, and you're getting him here at what, QB6? I mean, that's great. Yeah. Yep. QB sixth in the uh, QB six in the fifth round. So love that. I'm up here. One Oh five Oh eight. I've got two running backs, two wide receivers, no quarterback, no tight end. A couple of those guys up here at the top of this uh, big board and Justin Fields and George Kittle, which I could certainly consider. 
I don't think I'm going to go that route, though. I want to get good value. I want to get a guy that I feel like is going to be... Ooh. Oh, well, I, uh, <laughs> I saw a name that intrigued me. Now I got to wait. Um, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go. I don't love this. It's not sexy. I'm going to go another wide receiver. Sorry, another running back here. Uh, three running backs to secure my spot. Know that I feel really solid. I'm going to go Damian Pierce. Second year back out of Houston. Really good rookie year that was cut short by injury. But uh, he should be the lead guy in that backfield. At least a running back too. So I feel pretty good about that. Okay, and then, uh, yeah, now I'm going to take him. I'm going to pass on Justin Fields, and I'm going to take Trevor Lawrence here. I'm going to take yep. quarterback yep. here, and I love the idea of Fields. Obviously, the rushing upside is huge, but, man, I just believe in T-Law this year so bad. I just think he's going to have a huge breakout, like, sleeper, MVP candidate-type season. So, in this in the sixth round at this point, like, I kind of love that. So, I feel very comfortable taking him there. Yeah, I love that pick too. Uh, I'm I'm all in for Trevor Lawrence this year. I made a huge trade in Dynasty to get him. Like this, I'm I am all aboard the Trevor Lawrence hype train. This pick here has me in a difficult spot. We're looking kind of at the the players at the top of the list are Justin Fields, Miles Sanders, Christian Watson, Alexander Madison. I want to talk about Alexander Alexander Madison for half a second because Michael yep. in the chat asked about him. Al Alexander Madison has no Dalvin Cook. He's the only guy in town, and he also has the third easiest strength of schedule for a running back. And all of that points towards a, a pretty solid season for Madison, but I just struggle with the ability. I don't know. Nobody was pushing for him to get rushes over Dalvin Cook or even split time when Dalvin Cook was in town, and now that Dalvin Cook is gone, it's just the excitement hasn't risen for me at all. Uh, even given the circumstance. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm kind of lukewarm on Alexander Madison. I'm I'm totally cool with people being hyped on him. Uh, that's just not me. I am going to take the guy who I see as decent value here as, as a running back one. New team, new system, might be a good fit. Let's go Miles Sanders. Yeah. Yeah, I do. The, the Madison conversation is interesting because right now he's still on the board. He would be running back 22 I'm certainly not like, I think there are people even comfortable taking him in top 15, 16, 18 range. I'm certainly not mm -hmm. there. Yeah. But in this range, once you get past RB 20, once we're now into what the sixth, seventh round. Yeah. I think that's when I, I'd feel comfortable with Madison. And I think there's some value in taking him there. I just wouldn't leap to get him early and totally project a breakout. That's I'm, I think I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I mean, there's going to have to be a lot of proving in that offense. There's going to have to be a, a Miles Sanders is going to have to almost kind of rebrand himself from what he did in Philadelphia to do, you know, to prove what he can do in in Carolina. Um, yeah. I have opposite feelings from you about Alexander Madison, hmm. Jordan. I I'm super excited about taking Alexander Madison, and to shout out Michael in the chat. Um, I'm going to take him right here. I think that he'd be a go. great third back to have. And, um, you know, he's going to have all the opportunity in the world. He's basically going to have what Dalvin cook had. Um, but 
it's just not going to be Dalvin Cook back there. It's going to be Alvin. It's going to be Alexander Madison. So, um, Mitch, I out think- of curiosity, given your your team makeup right now, where you're running back heavy, was there any consideration to just bite the bullet and take the three weeks off for Kamara? No. Mm. Okay. No. Um, just no. a thought. Yeah. Yeah, 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 there no. is value there. I think you bring up a good point, Jordan. If you've drafted in a way where you already have two solid running backs like Mitch may have with McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor, mm-hmm. then maybe that risk for Kamara is a little, yeah, it's, it's easier to take on that risk knowing what you have. In our situation here, if you're watching this, you can see team one drafted Kamara. He's their running back one. That's an awful situation to be in. Don't if do that. If you're hoping Alvin Kamara's your running back one, he's missing three games and he's in a committee with Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller. So that, yeah, that's not the right situation. But as you're running back three, when you've got two solid options, I do, I do like that. I think that you could, I think that could be an option. Yeah. It, 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 yeah, no, it absolutely could be. I just I have a lot more faith in what Alexander Madison is going to be yep. going to be able to do in Minnesota. Um, going into the seven oh two, I think I could still wait on tight end, and man, this is tough. But I'm going to go. I'm going to go Brandon Ayuk from yeah. San Francisco. This Getting one. those San Francisco boys. I was about to say stacking the 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 Niners receivers. You like that? Yeah. Okay, boys. I I'm listen, listeners. If you play on sleeper, sleeper is disrespecting Darren Waller heavily. Darren Waller is still a top five tight end. Uh, the fact that the bots took. Let's see. For the if you guys aren't watching live. TJ Hawkinson and George Kittle both went uh the previous round, and they're not better than Darren Waller. They're just mm-hmm. not. And so Darren Waller reports coming out of camp is that he's the best receiver on turf for the Giants. I think it's a, a pretty good fit for him. Uh, Darren Waller is a pretty easy pick for me here at tight end. I'm not going to wait anymore. I like that. And you're seventh round. So that's, I think, a great spot to take him. You know, there's no reach there. Very good value. And uh, almost like the Kel- the Kelsey thing. Oh, oh, yeah. Speaking of that, Michael's commenting this here. You know, Waller's probably the number one weapon for Jones. That's what Michael's commenting. And yeah, and that's what I was about to actually add is much like Kelsey in Kansas City. Don't think about him as a tight end. Think about him as the wide receiver one in that offense, which he very much, you know, seemingly will be this year. So I like that. uh, I like that a lot, Jordan. All right. 708. I've got my quarterback. I've got three running backs, two wide receivers. Now I'm just, you know. Looking for value. If there's a tight end I like, great. If not, we'll go somewhere else. I have already taken three running backs, but you can never have enough. And we talked about this guy. <laughs> he was my pick at running back. I would be foolish if I didn't take James Conner, right? I mean, I brought him up already on this podcast. So James Conner in the seventh round, even as my running back four, having already got a couple guys on the board, I feel very good about because, again, running back is just so sus. That might be all I take. You might, might take one handcuff, you know, later rounds and that might be it for me, but I'd feel pretty good about having those four guys. Yeah, that's great value. I would crazy yeah. value. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then at the eight Oh three, we've got, uh, we got some tight end on board with Kyle Pitts Potentially. I don't, I don't feel great about Pitts. Probably going to go wide receiver here. Let's just go Tyler Lockett. 
I think we're kind of overthinking it if we are second guessing Tyler Lockett. Guy has literally been like penciled in wide receiver like 10 to 15 yeah. like the last four years straight. A, even with DK Metcalf there, it's it hasn't wavered. If anything, he's been better. Why uh top 10 wide receivers? So yeah, in the eighth round, that feels awesome. Yeah, there's a real possibility JSN pushes him to wide receiver three on the roster. Uh, but still, it's like you're you're not ever counting out Tyler Lockett's production. Like the, if the guy's yeah. on the field, he's going to catch a long pass. You know what I mean? Well, he, so, doesn't, have to, he doesn't have to play outside. He, he can play in the slot and still be super, super productive. You know what I mean? Very true. Very true. So I'm glad uh, Mike Evans got taken two picks before me. That was going to be my pick. Uh, Mike Evans is is almost a sleeper this year for yeah. the opposite reason. A lot of other guys are sleepers. People are just not paying attention because Evans is old and struggled at points last year. Uh, I'm I'm in on a good year for Evans, so I like that pick a lot. Uh, and I will say the running backs right here dry up yeah. really, really fast. So I'm going to go ahead and take a guy that I'm still very high on, given a healthy season in Javante Williams. Yeah, I like that. And just for those listening, the range right now, we're talking Cam Akers, James Conner, uh, Rashad White, and uh, Javante Williams, who you just took that sort of the, the range of players. Right? And, and among those, yeah, I like Javante a lot. What are your thoughts on Javante, Mitch? Yeah, I mean, just a, a where's the health? We got to see the health. Yeah. And if he if he is healthy, we know the talent is there. We we know that he can contribute to that offense, but we got to see the health first from Javante. Yeah, the, the kid's twenty three and he's expect, expected to play in the preseason, so I think we'll be okay. All yep. right, I love it. But you know, Dallin, I Dallin and Jordan, I've punted on the tight end position for a while. Um, there's still a guy here that I like even more than Kyle Pitts. Hmm. Um, and we talked about this offense and how fun this is going to be watched. You know, how fun this is going to be to watch. I'm going to Evan Ingram. That's my tight end here. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So break this one down for me, Mo. Cause I was nodding like a lunatic thinking you were taking the value in Kyle Pitts there. And then you went Evan Ingram. <laughs> so what just happened? I like the quarterback situation a hell of a lot better. I like the passing situation. Like I think that there's going to be more op there's going to be more opportunity for Evan Ingram to be involved in the passing uh in the in the passing game more so than Kyle Pitts I think that Kyle Pitts has got Drake London there um and the quarterback situation is just clearly not as good as it is in Jacksonville I think that we're going to see a lot of opportunities for Evan Ingram in the red zone I think I like Evan Ingram a little bit more than Kyle Pitts in this situation have you considered it. the fact that Evan Ingram is just a worse football player than Kyle Pitts? <laughs> I got it. No, I got it. I got it. Hey, like your guy and shoot your shot at that at that position. Yeah, let me I guess. Put my Mo, stamp but... down now. Evan Ingram will be higher in the tight end ratings than Kyle Pitts will be at the ending end of the year. I I will. Take Are you a willing bet with to you go on, on the hill right with now? That? Do you want to do a water bet, Jordan? I will water bet that with you right now on the record. Let's water bet it. Okay. Love it. Done deal. Okay. Evan Ingram finishes higher in the tight end rankings at the end of the season than Kyle Pitts. That's the bet. Uh, yeah, I love it. I, you know, I, I'm, just, I feel shaky about Pitts this year. I'm not convinced. It's just the talent is all there. Just how the role is going to fit. I just, I, I would have questions about that. So I can understand if you're thinking tight end and you're not convinced on Pitts. 
you know, go with the guy that you feel conviction on, Evan Ingram. I like it. And I like Michael's comment that I could have waited on Evan Ingram. Yeah. I, I certainly could have. But yeah. in this scenario where we only have 10 rounds, got to take a tight end at some point. So I, I went with Ed, Evan Ingram like here. It. But certainly, yes, you are right, Michael. I could have waited on a tight end a lot later and probably gotten Evan Ingram probably a round or two later. Um, but I stand by it. Evan Ingram going to finish higher than Kyle Pitts. Um, going into the nine Oh two. I think we go one more running back here. And I think this is a good value for a guy that's going to get a lot of work. I'm going to go David Montgomery. Oh yeah. Hmm. Um, no bears bias, no bears bias, but Darn it, he does a lot of good work, and I think that he's going to be uh, a guy that you could plug in at a flex from a time or two. I think that he's probably going to be around that RB3, RB4 rank, but um, a guy that you could definitely plug in as a flex and and be you know and rely on heavily. All right, guys, I got two picks left here. I got to go wide receiver, wide receiver to close out, and I am so glad that the players before me took a bunch of running backs because it leaves me the receiver – uh, for my sleeper pick at quarterback, uh, just so you guys know what I'm looking at, I have George Pickens and Jordan Allison right here back to back. I'm taking George Pickens. George Pickens is somebody I'm obviously higher on for this season. I have to be. I called his quarterback a sleeper for the 2023 season. I really like the kid. That's a good value pick for me. Yeah, very, very interesting. I, I, you know, I think in that range too, when you're considering who's around him, I like the the shot on that. This is just going to be a lot of young players, rookie second year guys looking for a big breakout season. Why not uh, George Pickens, especially if you're higher on Pittsburgh offense, like uh, Jordan already stated with his Kenny Pickett take. So I like it. Okay, I am up. I've got two picks left. I don't have a tight end yet. I may end up taking one. Four running backs got three wide receivers probably try to add another wide out here actually i'll go jordan addison i love addison i think he's gonna have a very clearly defined role in this minnesota offense to start his career and justin jefferson is a freak he's a target monster we get all that but addison's gonna survive and thrive in this i i, I think there's enough room in this offense for multiple players to be really good so i'm not concerned about that too much though obviously not a huge upside as a rookie but could be pretty solid. So I like Addison there. Honestly, I think compared to a lot of other wide receivers that have been taken, that might be a steal getting him that late is Jordan Addison, because I think he's going to be, have that much of an impact on that Minnesota offense. I like that. Well, I like the sound of that. So, uh, and uh, I got to go tight end, I guess with my final one. So I'll, uh, I'll buy in on Pittsburgh too. We'll go Friar Muth here. And honestly, Fryermuth in the tenth round, not not rushing on tight end, not feeling worried about it, getting all the players I got, and then walking away with Fryermuth at ten. That feels great for tight end. So I'm very happy with that. Hey boys, I do just want to point out here. I, I get it. This mock draft is only a ten team, ten round, and so some guys are going to fall. But we all took quarterbacks. Look who is still available. Yeah, Tua. Tagovailoa mm-hmm. is still available. Guys, you can putt quarterback and do just fine. Yeah. Okay, guys, I got to take a wide receiver here. There's a, a smattering of wide receivers who are kind of mid, so I'm going to call my shot on a guy and a, a rookie who I like a lot. I took this guy in Dynasty, and I am overjoyed about it. I'm taking Zay Flowers out of Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Baltimore's got two receivers. They got Zay Flowers, and they got OBJ. 
And I don't think any of you guys hand up could say you're confident in OBJ's abilities in Baltimore. No. Zay Flowers is a freaking stud, man. I'm going to I'm gonna throw my dart and take him here with my last pick. Love that. I love that pick for you. Um, I also hate that right after you took Zay Flowers, my next pick went right off the board, <laughs> uh, which would have been Gabe Davis. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm now I'm forced. I, I, I'm going to take wide receiver. I'm going to take wide receiver. I'm, I think I'm just forced to take this guy, even though I don't really want to. I feel like could have got him about a round later, but I'm going to go Cortland Sutton. Yeah. Um, yeah, Mo, I it was Cortland Sutton. It was Elijah Moore there for me. Two guys that were like back to back, a little bit of a reach. I think both of those guys are going to be great and just fine fantasy value. Yeah. No, I think they will be just fine. I think they'll be very comparable. I think that you can take them around the same spot. But um, my point being, I think that Gabe Davis has the prepotency to have the bigger games more so than Cortland Sutton. So, yeah. Yeah, had a better um, quarterback situation, right, with Josh Allen as opposed to Russ uh, at this point in his career and and what that looks like. So I think that's oh for sure that's fair there too with Gabe Davis. But there you go, that's the that's the ten round mock, guys. That's that is it. Um, let's get some instant reaction, Jordan. You look at your ten uh, picks in this mock. How you feeling? You feel great on the strategy with where what you got. Oh, I'm actually overjoyed with this team, excluding the Miles Sanders pick. I hate Miles Sanders. It just always will be the case, no matter if he's good or not. I just don't like the guy. Uh, but outside of that, Mo, in, in the last round when you were talking about taking Gabe Davis, it was between Zay Flowers and Gabe Davis for me. And the reason I really went Zay Flowers was to stack with Lamar Jackson. It just mm. felt like good value. Mm -hmm. um, but man, overall, boys, if I could roll with this team into redraft this year, I'm going to be in good shape. Yeah. What about you, Mitch? Yeah, I feel really confident in my rounds like one through five. I feel yeah. like I drafted rounds one through five exceptionally well. Uh, six through ten, just, you know, I feel like maybe I reached on Evan Ingram just about just a little bit too early. Um, but I felt like I needed to snag the tight end when I need, you know, at that point. Um, you know, I'm always super critical of my own team though. I'm super <laughs> critical of my, of my own drafting strategy, but I feel really good about this team. And if I could take this team into a redraft league, I feel pretty comfortable with it. Yeah. I don't I, know if I'm beating Jordan's. I don't know if I'm beating Jordan's <laughs> team, but you know, I feel pretty comfortable <laughs> with it. Jordan's is pretty stagged. It's nice to be right smack dab in the middle. Usually it works out pretty well for you, but uh, I, yeah. I feel good. I feel good where I'm at at eight. I just love seeing the different strategies, the different ways you can go. Uh, that's why mock draft exercises are so useful because when you're in that situation, you don't know how the board will fall to you and you may want to pivot. You may want to think about a different, uh, you know, path in your draft. So go for it. Try a mock, try it out, see what it looks like, see how your roster plays out. If you don't like how that looks, then don't do that. But it's a great exercise to sort of try different strategies out that maybe you're not familiar with that you don't always go. And yeah, I mean, this is very useful for me. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that I'm, I know our draft will be different. Again, we play in like a super flex, two quarterbacks. So quarterbacks will be probably six or seven of the top 10 picks will be quarterbacks in our league. It'll look very different, but it's uh, still a useful exercise nonetheless. Yo, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. There you go. Any other, uh, anything else we want to say about the uh, mock draft? We did a couple of things. I want to, I want to bring this up about uh, Michael had a, Comment about Khalil Herbert. How do you feel about Khalil Herbert as far as fantasy goes? Maybe Mitch, you're the Bears guy. What do you what do you think? Uh 
there's a lot. There's a I late round at best. Late round at best. I mean, we got Dante Foreman, the great. You know, he's going to be a great short yardage guy. Yeah. Uh, Rashawn Johnson, they just drafted, um, is going to be a contributor in that offense. I think he's got a ton of talent. Um, I think Khalil Herbert, at, you know, contrary to belief, is not a great passing down guy. You know, he's he's not a guy that catches a ton of passes. He's shown basically the majority of his success on the ground. So um, I think that you see kind of more of a traditional Bears offense in that sense. And so Khalil Herbert would probably be a good depth guy when it comes to when it comes to fantasy. But I wouldn't be banking on him as a RB3, RB4 in your offense. You know, he would be a good depth guy that you could plug in in a good matchup. Um, and and plug him in in that sort of sense. Yeah, Bear, Bears backfield probably one you just want to avoid entirely. Yeah, and, and it's normal not. It's not a good. Year. It's not a good state right now. No. And, and Fighting, it's so hard to know who's going to really come out with the most carries. And you know what? That Khalil Herbert or Rashawn Johnson or Dante Foreman might emerge and a guy that you want to add off the waivers. But yeah, out in draft season, maybe you want to avoid. Just in, and you might want to put a hold on that and see how that works out. Yeah. Fighting with Donta Foreman for snaps is not necessarily where you want to be at this point in the season. Last time we saw Donta Foreman, he looked really good in some stretches. So yeah, it's just, Panthers it's legend. not clear enough. <laughs> it's not clear enough. It's not going to be clear enough. And even when it is, I don't know if you're going to get enough fantasy value to justify the pick. So I would just stay away. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Michael so. also asks, uh, I don't know. I'm the only one that does this, but I cue everyone I'm interested in. I queue before the draft starts, so I know who I should go with. Yeah, Jordan, as the as one of the fancy experts, is queuing something that you should do, or something that you rely on, or should is that something? Is do you stay away from queuing so you can kind of go with the flow of the draft and kind of get a feel for the way the direction is going? I don't start my draft with a queue full. I will throw guys into my queue when we get into the late rounds just to remind myself that like I'm going to reach 20 players down to get this guy if that's the case. Uh, sure. I, there's nothing wrong with queuing ahead of time. The only thing I would say, Michael, is make sure that you stay water in your drafts because one of the things that tends to happen when you queue early is you just get laser focused on the guys that you wanted ahead of time that you lose sight of guys falling sometimes or some of your other draft mates just being morons. Uh, so stay water, make sure that you are are moving as the draft moves, but there's nothing wrong with queuing. Go for it. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I, I very much queue players in a, in the range sure. that I'm going to be interested in. Absolutely. I do that, Michael. I'll, I'll, I'll put those players just a note for myself. But then as Jordan said, as the draft goes, you got to stay fluid. You got to be able to roll with it. And if you get a good value, if someone falls to you, you can't anticipate I love going for it. So I think that's absolutely a great strategy. Use the cue there. So yeah. As Stephen yeah. A says, the list is fluid. It's fluid. It's <laughs> there fluid. You so there you go. You know, you know, have what you know what you want to go get, but be willing to be flexible and and change what you got cued um and go after the guy that maybe falls a little bit, you know, falls a little bit and that is at your availability when you pick. Yeah, there you go. That's the 10-round mock draft. That's the fantasy football preview on the Sports Hour podcast. Uh, big thanks to Jordan. Uh, Jordan Fox, our good friends, fellow Sports Hour guy, for joining us for this. He is the fantasy football expert. So fitting that we had you on for this episode. How did it go? How did it feel being live on the podcast for two-plus hours? 
You feeling all Boys, right? Are you ever going to come back? Listen, it's always great to see your smiling faces and get to talk fantasy football. Thanks for having me on. It was a blast. Uh, yeah, it was a great time. Love it. Well, we appreciate you joining us and uh, we appreciate you at home, wherever you are listening. If you're watching live on YouTube or Twitter, if you joined us tonight on this Thursday evening, we appreciate it. If you're listening on the podcast feed, we appreciate it. Follow us on social, uh, wherever you uh, are on social media, you'll find us. Instagram is at the sports hour guys. The TikTok is at the sports hour guys, Twitter at sports hour guys, YouTube at the sports what? hour guys. I mean, come call on, up, call up by the right name. What? Not, it's not Twitter. We got to change <laughs> this now too, Jesus, bro. It's X, baby. Follow X. us on X. I've just edited it. Okay, there you go. Follow us on X at Sports Hour, guys. Great catch. I had no idea what you were talking yeah. about. I was like, what? Well, you know, what are you, like, what I know it sucks. I know what sucks, so we got to change stuff. But, you know, it, it happens. <laughs> yes, you're right. You're right. It is on X. Uh, and, uh, yeah, wherever you listen to podcasts, right, Mitch? That's where you can find us absolutely where we can wherever you can get your podcast you can get us on apple apple podcast spotify stitcher wherever you can listen to your podcast you will find us there just like up the sports hour guys and once again michael thank you you are the mvp of the yes, episode shout out you dog appreciate you it. have been an mvp of this episode we got a new sub he just said deaf listen again it. let me let me read the comment uh verbatim Def, tune in again. I subbed. Thank you, Michael, for doing that. We love it. We appreciate you. We look forward to hearing from you next week um, as we get into more of the college football uh, swing of things. Once again, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, that's where you can listen to this podcast. Um, you can go ahead and get on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, tell us that we suck because, Dallin, that is the only way that we can get better. Uh, it is the only way that we can get better. And be more like Michael, folks. Subscribe on YouTube. Be more like Michael. Oh, oh. Let's do it. So, until next time, we love you, we appreciate you, and we'll catch you next week. So long, everybody, and a very pleasant good evening to you. Wherever you may be, see ya!